What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for today. We give you our takes on the most recent decision from the USAPL regarding 2021 Raw Nationals and its decision to, one, not only have a primetime session, but most importantly, limiting it to 56 lifters per session. Steve does a great job of explaining what exactly that means, the implications of that, the controversy surrounding it, because a lot of lifters might have an opportunity taken from them to compete from Raw Nationals, and I really use the first 45-minute show to explain to everyone and yell at my computer screen on why this decision sucks ass, and I pretty much use this as a therapy session to air out all my grievances, because... I'm a USAPL competitor, and it affects me, and it affects me once you listen to the episode, but it also affects a ton of other USAPL lifters who really want to compete at Raw Nationals. So that's about the first 45 minutes of the show. Then we get into our two-way lights topic of the week, how can we make powerlifting more legitimate? Really good discussion there. We get into some of your comments, some of your suggestions that you gave on the two-way lights page, and we also give our takes on it as well, and we have a... Pretty important discussion on what's mainstream, what's legitimate, the definitions that we have for that, because I think that's going to be really important when describing how to make powerlifting more legitimate and mainstream, finding that really good definition. Um, We discussed that really good uh, conversation there, and we talk about an hour for that. So you're looking at a pretty long episode of Two White Lights, and the only reason why I didn't break it up is because I loved everything in it. It was a really good discussion from the fallout of the most recent announcement from the USAPL regarding Raw Nats and our two white lights topic. And we, at the end, sprinkle in a little bit of that whole bench arch thing with Johnny Candido and Sean Noriega, their YouTube video uh, that actually refuted and disagreed with our takes on the previous episode of Two White Lights. So uh, we we threw in a little bit of uh, our takes at the end there and potential episode coming up soon. Maybe you guys want to listen to that end part. But before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and buy yourself some merch. Also, visit their Instagram page because you will get to see all the lifters wearing their merchandise because the Leflar family is growing. We have more lifters wearing our merchandise and it's easy to see why. It's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. Every single design relates to strength sports in some way. And they are dedicated to helping the powerlifting community and getting merchandise to the powerlifting community. And I cannot be happier to be a part of Left Lord Bros. And also, you can get all of your merchandise at a little bit of a cheaper price if you use that promo code 2WL15. That's right, 2WL15, no more 2WL10. We're giving you more savings. 2WL15 also if you love two white lights, you got to go on LeFloorBros.com because they have two white lights merchandise, t-shirts and banners. We got our original logo. We got the Fight Night logo that people have been loving. And if you want that banner, you can find it on LeFloorBros.com. Hanging in your gym, hanging in your room, where it is a cape, where it is a hat, put on your car hood. I don't care. Just get one. And also check out their merchandise because it's awesome. I get a lot of compliments on my Bros stuff. And the designs they've been releasing have been amazing. I absolutely love it, uh, especially the Wang Gang t-shirts and the, the Lady Pex one as well. Um, I've been loving all the merchandise they've been creating down at Left Love Bros. So 
Make sure you visit the website. Also go to Rivalist.net. Use promo code ANGELO15. Get 15% off of your informed choice supplements. Don't break a drug test. Use informed choice supplements. Rivalist can get you that. Use that promo code ANGELO15 to take non-tainted supplements. Also, go to Lift.net. Wear some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. Use that promo code ANGELO10 and you will get 10% off of the original logo design that they have for their singlets sleeves wraps also got the white label the black label the olive drab get all that because all this stuff is looking amazing i can't wait to look like Shawn michaels at wrestlemania 12 in my white knee sleeves white wrist wraps and white belt i'm gonna look fantastic and i have stoked to think for that also speaking of looking fantastic visit notorious lift make sure to follow them on instagram make sure you sign up for that newsletter because here's the thing. They have drops, and they release deadlift slippers. No slip drip is real, and not only is your deadlift going to be more stable because I know it's helped mine going from squats to flats to notorious lift has helped me a ton. You're also going to look good doing it. They have so many colors, so many designs. I'm a huge design guy. I'm a huge color guy. I like to look good. I like to look unique on the platform. And everyone knows if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you lift good. And Notorious Lift is going to help you do that. Remember, though, not everything you see is going to be available on Notorious website. You have to be on the lookout for those drops. They come out with drops on the regular. So you're going to find a color or design that you love that you are going to want to have. And you're going to want to match your attire either in the gym or on the platform. So make sure... You sign up for that newsletter. Also, make sure you follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review. Make sure to subscribe, download the episodes. We're available on iTunes and Spotify and also on the website as well. So be sure to do that. And here it is, Two White Lights. It is Thursday, January 21st, and remember that we said to you guys that you will be giving developing stories on USAPL Raw Nationals? Well, we got a developing story, and it pissed off, I want to say, 98 to 99% of the USAPL, and I think that 1% is bench only guys because I think they're the only people who have some sort of advantage with this uh, recent announcement for USAPL Raw Nationals in Daytona Beach. So, being that I'm not the most uh, I'm I'm not the most qualified guy to be explaining the schedule, the rules, what this means for coaches and lifters alike. I'm gonna let the co-host, who's the brains of this operation, let's be let's be real here, the brains behind all this, Steve Denovi. Take it away on what exactly happened, because I'm still getting DMs that people don't exactly know what the announcement was and how this changes the landscape of Raw Nationals. All right. So, as we already know, Nationals is June 14th through 19th, but that is open Nationals. Open Raw, open Equipped. Um, there's also Masters, Youth, 
and bench only. Juniors and collegiate is different. So um, as we kind of discussed last week, uh, the thing I was waiting for is like, how many spots are we going to have? Because if there's these sessions and they're following the guidelines, it was going to kind of be iffy, like how many lifters are actually going to be able to lift. And it's even less than we thought. So we've got five days. Um, I mean, our listeners, probably what we're caring about right now is open. That's what we're talking about. That's when people are pissed off. There's only one, two days of raw open lifting. That is Thursday and Friday. Mm -hmm. So all lifters, all men and women, have to fit into a total of four sessions Yeah. Um, on Thursday and Friday. Um, sessions are capped at 56 lifters. Yeah, which um, we mentioned last, yes, which we mentioned last episode. It would be capped at 56 lifters, and I don't think people fully grasped that. Yeah. People didn't really fully grasp when we said that. Like, we both knew that that was going to be a bit of an issue, and we were looking what the USAPL was going to do, and their decision was the absolute thing I was worried most about. So explain to the people the uh, what decision they came to. So um, how it comes out, and like I said, the, the odd thing that I don't think either of us expected that literally it's going to be four sessions. That's all we get. That's all we get, which means only, what, 100 or 200-something lifters can be in there between men and women. So how they're divvying it out is on February 1st, athletes who got top five at raw nationals in the open division in 2019 will get invites. Yeah. So the top five, they will have one week to sign up on February 8th. The next week athletes who ranked top three in the hometown showdown will receive an invite and have one week. And the fact is a lot of those overlap. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of overlapping there. Uh, Pete Spence did a great little write up on there. Um, and he actually got all the numbers. I don't have those in front of me, but once that happens, whatever spots aren't filled will then be filled by public entry first come first serve whoever can auto fill their registration the fastest which is going to be even more of a race than the arnold is as long as you have a qualifying total you can try and get in so plausibly there will be some weight classes that will only have maybe like five lift of the top lifters get in just because of the qualifications from the open or the raw nationals in 2019 and the hometown showdown. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is just whoever gets in doesn't Mm -hmm. mean the best lifters, just whoever. And the also kind of odd thing for me is it's not like each weight class gets a certain amount of lifters. It's each session. Yeah. So plausibly, if all the 93 kg guys are the fastest on their computer, there could only be like three or four people in all the other classes. And then as of how now it's how it's set up now, maybe they'll change this because I think we'll discuss what they should have done, which this shouldn't be how they're doing it. Um, plausibly, it could be all 93 kg guys and then no one else gets in for that session, but it, it could be anything like we, we have no yeah. idea because only a very few elite lifters are guaranteed to make it into nationals. Yes. And I, I, I also just don't believe that people fully grasp of how ridiculous that is because once you read it from just the schedule or what they release on USAPL, it kind of makes sense. You're naturally assuming that there's going to be eight lifters from each weight class being able to compete within that session, which a lot of people will assume like, okay, there's no prime time session, which people thought that was the biggest news and it wasn't because based on the session sizes, there's going to be no room for prime time. Prime time really doesn't add up, but we'll discuss that a little bit later. What people don't realize is that overlap. And 
even with that overlap, because I emailed the USAPL yesterday and asked, what what are you guys going to do about, say, in the 83 KG weight class where Noriega was top five in Raw Nationals last year, or uh, 2019, and this year he is number one in the hometown showdown. Like, he does he get two invites? That overlaps, so what's going on there? And I was especially curious about this because I would be technically getting that last spot. I am ranked fourth in the hometown showdown, and currently first the home... Out. What's that? First out. Yeah, I'll be the first out there. So... Noriega was number one. First out, you're the most disappointed. Yes, absolutely. And um, also just looking forward to Raw Nationals enough as it is because we've been deprived of big powerlifting meets. So, and especially me, I'm like, hey, I finally came onto the scene. I want to fucking compete at this thing against all the the top dogs. But how it's settled right now in the hometown showdown is Sean Noriega, number one, Delaney Wallace, number two, and Edward Taylor, uh, number three. So those are the guys, and I am number four. So if you remove Noriega with that because he has both, then I would get that last invite. And I want to know this shit if I get an invite because I got to update my Google Chrome autofill. I got to make sure my Wi-Fi connection's good. I got to make sure I'm not at work. That might be an issue if they do it during school hours. Uh-oh. Then I don't know if I can log in on time and get there. I might be busy during the time. So I got to schedule. I got to. Well, I mean, I mean, I might just ditch the class and just do my own thing. <laughs> I have. That's. I mean, I. What, I, that will happen if, if that's the case. But I emailed them because of that, and they still told me I had to wait to register for that March 1st, where it's a first-come, first-served thing. And that, to me, was the absolute worst news I could have heard because I went through that with the Arnold. I missed out on the pro-American because of the first-come, first-served. And then you're just removing all the different elements that come into play from a great Nationals meet, which is the top guys competing the guys that people want to see compete and you're and there is a logical way to go about it but it seems right now that they're just completely abandoning that plan that they could have had and just made this weird janky thing to me it doesn't even make sense if you look at it from that perspective because the thing that upset me most about it because again I'm looking at this very selfishly because I'm just focusing on 83 kg lifters right now if you look at the top 5 guys who Got that automatic invite. There's Russ Orhe, no argument there. Sean Noriega, no argument there. Jamal Royster, no argument there for the most part. Marcus Adudu, muscle man Marcus, who hasn't competed. Yeah, he hasn't competed since that meet, and he is now not even an 83 kg lifter. And Sean Collins, who again, that was his last competition, was 2019, and he got fifth and he totaled 752 kilos. I didn't realize that. That's Yeah. That pissed me off a lot when I saw Sean Collins. I mean, love you, Sean. You're my best friend. You don't know it. You're my best friend. Uh, Because I saw you at Raw Nationals. I'm like, it looks like me and that guy will get along really well. And he's a great lifter, don't get me wrong. But he gets that invite from 2019. You're doing it based off two years ago. Two years ago and think like, oh, yeah, that'll hold up. They deserve those. But then you have this whole 2020 hometown showdown where compete when competitors are actually competing. I competed twice. I competed at the Arnold, and I competed at your meet, Midwest Primetime. And that was good enough to get me into the top 10, which I'm like, that's what we're trying for, right? Getting to that top 10 and to help my ranking. And that didn't even fucking matter. 
I might as well not even competed since 2019 till now because none of it mattered. And then when you look at Jamar too in 2020, I out-totaled Jamar too. I'm ranked ahead of him in 2020. So it's like, I get the shaft here and I don't even know what they're going to do with Marcus and Sean because Marcus is a 93 right now. Sean, is I haven't... Get to sign up for 93? Yeah, like, Sean, I haven't heard, like, what's going on with him. He hasn't competed in a long time. Um, He's coaching. I'm actually wearing his shirt, Sincere Powerlifting Systems. Wait, hold on. Is that the actual, like, the, the Sean Collins that I'm thinking of? Because there's no, two Sean that, Collins. That was, that was sarcasm because they get mixed up all the time, just like the Matt Cronins. But I'm literally wearing Sean Collins, the coach's shirt, uh, sweatshirt right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get confused with that as well. So... So I don't even know what's going on with him. But then, okay, so what do you do for that? Do you keep on going down the rankings at Raw Nationals 2015? Because if you do that, you're just going into lower totals. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, you're completely neglecting all the guys who compete at 2020. So a person like me will get shafted. Jimmy Villanueva will get shafted. Um, like guys like Nico Flores. David Chan. Da- Nico Flores, yeah. Yeah, David Chan is another guy who could – Definitely, he could total 752 on a training day. Uh, a, a measly training day, he could total that. You have so many, and like Nico Flores is a big one because now he's like, okay, I can't even, I have to register for junior and collegiate nationals because how am I going to get into open raw nationals? I'm not going to, I haven't had a meet at 83. And based on his training is going, he was flying in that prime time session, top 10. He was definitely going to be a, at least, I would say at least a 775 kilo total from him. At least. He can go above that. But he gets the shaft. He's got to make a debut somewhere else so he can get that 83 spot at Collegiate Junior Nationals. And it just makes no sense. And it was the thing I was so worried about. And it happened. I I want to take back what I said last week that I wish a junior or Raw Nationals was in June because I said it worked out for my work schedule more. No, I can't have nice things. I fucked it up by jinxing it because that was the absolute worst thing I could have said because that fucks up everything. And I wish it was in October so we could think about this and actually have at least the top 25 lifters show up in the 83 weight class and all the other ones. Because if I'm getting shafted, so are a whole lot of other lifters right now. A lot of them. A lot of really, really, really good lifters. I know Dave Wilson, he's been sounding off because he's not in yeah um i'll tell you one that daniela's not in yeah that's a big one daniela mello who would be the runaway 76 kg winner it probably would i mean just frankly no offense to anyone else in that class she's probably gonna walk away with that pretty darn easy um yeah she's not in um because she didn't compete at nationals she didn't compete last year so yeah i, I mean this literally seems like they chose the hardest route. Yes. This is literally the hardest route. Like, if this was, like, we say there's no prime time, but reality and sense, if they would have just, like, divvied the classes out evenly, my, my calculations, it's about 14 to 20 lifters a class if they were to break it up evenly, depending yeah. on the session and the day. That's just basically, just, just say it. One flight per class. It's going to be a prime time flight. Yeah. You can either do it one of two ways. It's so simple. Top five from nationals. I don't think that's a terrible idea. And then the top 10 from the hometown showdown. Yeah. With it going down if it's a repeat. Yeah. That seems so easy to fill out those classes. Or if you want to be able to open up for people who didn't get a chance to compete this year, 
the one Sean Noriega posted, people would be maybe annoyed about it, but like have a cutoff that you can compete up until April 1st, put in a qualifying total. Yeah. And then we're taking the top ones that registered in your end. That seems so much more simple. Like that just seems like obvious, yeah. like a no duh. That's how it's done versus the way they're doing it. Yeah. And they have an opportunity here to actually make it a great meet. That makes money too, because they're going to make their money no matter what. Yeah, 840 lifters, I think, is going to be in this. 840. Yeah. So, USAPL is going to get their nut. They always do. They always make their money. They And by doing this, it it just shows, because I wouldn't even call it a money, I mean, I guess I would call it a money grab, because they don't have to do any extra work. They don't have to find the rankings. They don't have to look at the people who do qualify on time. They don't have to do all that extra legwork. They know for a fact that people are going to go to their computers, sign up on time. They're going to pay whatever they need to pay in order to compete here. And they're going to make their money regardless. It's like the one time I wanted them to really, really listen to the lifters. Cause they do a fucking piss poor job of that. Especially with the higher ups, they just completely dropped the ball and they could have made it so amazing. They could have made it based on ranking. Think about that. A powerlifting meet based on merit. That would have been so great. That would have been such a fantastic thing. You actually invite the lifters who are ranked where they are and you reward them for actually competing. What a concept. I wish all sports were that way. No one would complain because that's how it should be. And if they do complain, they can go fuck themselves because you don't need to be there. (laughs) They'd be the same people complaining about sumos cheating. Yes. If you're complaining that, like, I didn't get in the Raw Nationals, they chose the best people. Like, that yeah. sucks. I qualified. Yeah, you well, didn't no, get like, into Raw Nationals and got your ass kicked by Russ Orhe by 100 kilos because you wanted to compete on the same platform as Russ. It's like, yeah. those, and you know what? I don't even think those people exist 99% of the time. I think they're straw men created up for powerlifters yeah. to, like, hate just because we need something to hate in powerlifting at a time. I don't even think those people exist. I think people are quite, they have a lot of integrity. They would support the idea of, hey, let's have the best people compete at Raw Nationals. Let's do this thing. But they're I, they're looking out for feelings that don't exist, in my opinion. Like these, the, the feelings isn't isn't out there. Like I'm getting shafted here. Like no, you rank lower than me. Go hypothetical, leave. Hypothetical. Hypothetical. This does this for sure isn't gonna happen. Maybe they maybe they fix this catastrophe. It's still possible they can go back on this and yeah. fix this. What still should have been done, especially if this was their plan. They should have done Raw Nationals in October. What they should have done, and I think no one complained about this because we all feel bad for them. The people who had world invites and earned their world invites for 2020 from 2019 Nationals should have carried over and they should have gotten first dibs at spots on the team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't think anyone would complain if they got their spot on the team this year. And they would have a choice because the one issue is Worlds is going to overlap with Raw Nationals. Yeah. They would have a choice. You can go to Worlds, and we're, we're allowing you to still go and this to carry over, which is a nice thing to do for them. And if you don't want to, you can turn it down and compete at Raw Nationals, and then it's next man up to go to Worlds. Yeah. And then we could have done it in October. We probably could have gone semi back to normal. Yeah. That would have been, in my opinion, the best fix by far. It would have made everyone happy. It wouldn't have screwed over the people who never got their Worlds invites. It would have allowed us to all compete at Raw Nationals, and it would have fields Worlds teams for next year. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wish that would have happened. Yeah, and Candido posted this on the the Two White Lights uh, discussion board too. That it makes sense from an economic standpoint. That means you have more lifters going to be able to sign up, and you make more money that mm-hmm. way. And 
USAPL, Raw Nationals is always going to make money. And you have an opportunity to really make money and have a primetime session, do the things that lifters love, because you would be able to have a primetime session. Actually, if you do that, it might be safer. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you, you could, you're, a, you're easily able to separate 10 more lifters or 20 more lifters from the crowd. Like, yeah. that, that to me makes a lot more sense. And, again, you make more money from that. And we're, we're all for the USAPL making money. I want the USAPL to make money because I'm in yeah. the USAPL. I'm fine with money grabs. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. We need more money grabs. Like, that is okay because money has to go in for the product to come back out. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and um, and it just also annoy with the hometown showdown thing, I'm just like, like why I, do we do it? Yeah, exactly. What the was it was the whole point for me to get like a I forgot I was gonna get a um I was gonna get a flask, right? A hydro flask or some shit, or like a yeah. like a a shirt. A free doctor visit for a free probing from USAPL. <laughs> you you got last night during the like you got the actual insertion in the probe as you received the news that you're the last man out. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was pretty much all I received from the hometown showdown was just a lubed up probe. Um, and while, while I was at work too, I was, I, I saw that I'm like, Oh God damn it. They're going to do it. They're, they're going to make a first come first serve. And that I have like legal, legal issues that USAPL probed you in a school with underage kids. <laughs> they could be facing a lot of lawsuits right now. I have a lot of people yeah. still threatening lawsuits based on just people not being able to compete. I think that'll add to a lawsuit on there. And <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I honestly, just from experience, feel more pressure signing up and these first come first serve things on laptop than I do competing. A hundred percent, my heart rate when I was signing up for the pro American was so high because I'm like, oh shit, I, I might not get in. I got to rethink things. And it was even higher for the A7 pro raw challenge because I was like, okay, this is my last chance. If I don't get here, I'm going to, I, I, I'm not going to compete at the Arnold. This is going to be that times like five because I know for a fact the guys who I really want to compete against and the guys who I know I have a chance of beating and I've wanted to beat them for such a long time. I've been since 2019 Raw Nationals and I felt like I was an underling to a lot of these top competitors. This was my chance to show up that I'm fucking here was this meets because I know Russ is going to be there. I know Nori's going to be there. I know Jamar's going to be there. I know Delaney's going to be there. I know all these guys are going to be there. Like, this is my chance to break into the top three. This is my goal as a competitor, and it was just completely wiped away. And especially because I, I, a lot of lifters did the things we needed. I know I'm talking selfishly here, but Jimmy Villanueva did the things he needed to do. He totaled 775. He made massive improvements, and it was for him to compete against the big dogs at Raw Nationals. And a lot of people are just taking extra meets to make sure they were guaranteed a primetime position. Just so they can compete with the big dogs. This shit matters to us. Competing mm-hmm. against the best matters to us. We we want to do it. We ache to do it. That's why we're in the sport. Some of us, we know we might not win, but we want to get into the rankings and we might want to beat the guy ranked just above us or two spots above us because we know we can. And by doing this, you're just like, oh, fuck it. We don't want to do the extra dirty work. That actually makes this possibly one of the most competitive raw nationals of all time because you're going to get the most hungry competitors there and you just open up to for anyone who had a 2019 qualifying total they they, they could have fucked off for a year and not and just be good to go on their laptop and sign up on time 
I can't imagine this. I mean, this is worse, but they kind of realized last year when they did the whole, oh, we're going to fill the rest with people who didn't even qualify. And they kind of went back on that, realizing eh, that wasn't yeah. a great decision. Or no, they were going to let them all sign up at the same time. Yeah. And then they went back and said, oh, that's probably not a good idea. We need to let everyone who qualified sign up first. And guess what I said? I was well, so worried at that time that it was going to be first come, first serve yes. that I went on my Instagram story and was like, if this becomes first come, first serve, I'm going to get really pissed off because a lot of undeserving lifters are going to get spots. I was worried about that in fucking 2020 when we were same, in quarantine. They just did the same thing over again. Like, went worse. They did it worse. I have hope they are going to fix this, but I really think some, some type of committee – of lifters and influencers who actually like aren't just in the national like they have people that decide this but i think sometimes maybe it's a bit too detached from the lifters and the coaches definitely we need a committee just to like say here's our idea and then we can say what well, they just need to come on two white lights and present the ideas yeah that's what so i can yell at them. them no that was terrible <laughs> here's what you should do and we would have saved them from this horrible thing as well as, I think we already kind of talked about this pre-show, and I talked about this with some other people yesterday in the DMs. Like, no offense to the bench-only people, but, like, we could do a different meet for them. They are taking up three sessions and 160-something spots. There is almost more spots for bench, or as many spots for bench-only as there is for open. I'm going to be real with you. Session. I'm going to be real with you. Didn't know that there was this many bench people in the USAPL. I had no either. fucking idea, no clue that this existed. And actually, I take that back. And How many people no, are bench only in USAPL? There's three I, bench sessions. There's a female raw, a male raw, and a quit. Yeah. So yes, there's three sessions that are bench only. That blows my mind that that is taking away 150 spots on the same days that the raw people are going, because that's on Thursday and Friday, that we could have done the raw primetime sessions. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's astounding to me. And again, I, I mean, I think me and Isaac, through our many ramblings that we had together, I think touched on this. It's just the USAPL has been known to be completely out of touch with lifters. And they're even in their own organization, they're out of touch with what they have. They don't know, the, if they're money hungry, they don't even realize how much money they hold. They're sitting on a, they're sitting on a treasure chest. They're sitting on a gold mine, and they don't know that their lifters are money. They're cash cows waiting to be waiting to be milked. They don't understand that they have really, really good ideas that will get more people into the USAPL. It'll bring more people in. It'll fill their pockets even more. They don't even get that part. They don't even understand that Raw Nationals is the fucking thing. This is what people recognize the USAPL for well, and this is what makes them the most money not bench well, not bench nationals no offense to you people who do bench nationals i probably love you you have a dedication to the sport of powerlifting that's unmatched because you want to do bench nationals but no. you're not producing any money we're about we're, the last episode that we dealt with talked about how the bench press is kind of the most boring part of competition anyway right so they're completely tone deaf to this and it could have been solved immediately before. I mean, it could have been solved long before this. They could, they could take the pulse of the lifter. Now there is some, there is some understanding on my part because I know 
that with the Arnold that was supposed to happen in June and that was supposed to that was supposed to have world team spots given to them. And I know that changing that date probably threw everything up for a loop and then it'll force because I don't think they were anticipating to have Raw Nationals in October anyways because the Arnold was announced in the June and now it's being even pushed back further so they kind of had to adjust on the fly. But it could have been a lot easier adjustments if you just listened to the lifters. Listen to the people who make you money. Because they can make you more money. Trust trust me. They t- totally can. Because if, if they don't know the certain lifters who are actual stars and actually make money for them, then they're not going to understand just the everyday lifter. What I think will, again, I think this is going to be fixed. And I think what will fix it is that their other money maker is that certain sponsors who sponsor lifters who might not be able to get in, who are sponsoring raw nationals to make it happen are going to say, yeah, if you're not going to like let these lifters in that we sponsor, that would be like top five. Yeah. That's what would take. That would immediately change this. If those sponsors sent some nice emails saying, yeah, you need to let these lifters in. Yeah. Yeah. I would really, really like to see that before it's all said and done. Um, and again, we did promise you guys we would break developing stories on Raw Nationals because we knew that this wasn't going to be last we've heard from it. I just didn't think it would be that quick a week's turn for, for them to piss me off and to piss off the entire powerlifting community. Like, every time something – this happens without fail. Every time something happens that's good in the USAPL, I, I, and I haven't learned from it, this is my mistake, that something – bad always lurks as a chicago sports fan how have you not learned that this is your life this is everything that's ever gonna happen to you yeah i i know you're absolutely right it's completely my fault it is 100 percent my fault for feeling the way that i do because this happens every i'm not even joking every single time the first time i competed in the usapl i had a very staunch view on the usapl because i was coming from apf you know the good old boy federation and i didn't like the money grabbers the usapl then i did a meet and it was awesome I had a great time. I loved the lifters there. I loved how the meet was ran. I think it was the greatest form of competition ever. Then, I'm not even joking, four days later, they released the media ban and only made it so one organization could take pictures at Raw Nationals. And it made me hate the USAPL within four days. After I said all these nice things about them, I'm like, oh, they completely changed my mind. They go and do that. And to this day, it's a really stupid idea because, again, when you do that, you're not making money from the lifters who actually make you money. Mm-hmm. And yep. me and, and that is something me and Isaac Wister talked about was that making nationals more appealing. Well, let's have the lifters take take control of the marketing for you guys, and they, they fucked that up yeah. completely. Free advertising that no one has to pay for. Yes. Yeah. I I am hoping. I am. I'm, I guess I have no choice but to be optimistic. Like, there's no. I mean. Being pessimistic isn't going to help, you know. So I have no choice but to be optimistic, and hopefully they change some of these things or just see the the flawed logic behind it because, as I mentioned with the 83-kilo lifters, like only four people get an invite, really, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you negate, you know, Marcus and then maybe Sean Collins on top of that, like I, I, I talk to the guy, but I just don't know how active he is in competing. Like he could just be like, nope. I don't feel like competing this year. Like, okay, so we have, you know, only four guys being down to compete. 
okay, well, how about the rest of the people? You can fill those slots, right? And right now, apparently, based on the email that I was given, they're not doing that at all. So hopefully they can even fix that, this complete gap in logic, because they had to anticipate that was going to happen, that there was going to be tons of overlap and people just not accepting the invite. Hopefully they fix that, but hopefully they even come up with a more logical approach to this where they get more people involved, more higher level lifters involved so we can have something that resembles a Nationals that we love. I guess there is some bright spots. They are allowing spectators, so it won't be in the completely empty meet. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Okay, cool. Great. You guys got – I mean, of all that, if we can – And coaching passes don't cost $20 a session. That's oh, nice. Oh, all right. Kudos there. How about – so how about you as a coach on this? How much of a pain in the ass is this now for some of your lifters? Because I know Joe Sanic right now is like really – like for Michael, what he's expressing to me, is like, yeah, just limiting the amount of lifters who might be able to compete really is a burden on me because this is this is a financial cost for a lot of people. So, like, okay, do I go and handle one dude? Like, (laughs) I 100% feel bad because I will have some people that might not get in. Um, I think I was going to have seven or eight, and I only have three that are guaranteed now, which is Sean, and then I have two Masters lifters who placed top three at 2019. Okay. So they're in, and then I think I have four or five more that will have to play the autofill race. Um, I can't – I was going to – even if I have one, I'd go because me and my wife are going to make a vacation. Yeah. So I can deal with, I can deal with that. I, I can deal with the fact that I, it's not going to change what I was going to spend money wise. It does, it does upset me that my lifters can't go, but I'd already kind of warned them. I, cause I look, cause talking last week, I kind of thought about this, like there's not going to be this many spots. So I'd already kind of thought about that. And so I know kind of, we just started making contingency plans. Like I have a couple lifters that might do local needs. Um, Patrick Poston, he's one that would just be very on the outskirts. Even if they did like the top 15, I think he'd be just kind of like right there. Um, cause he's usually kind of right in that 10 to 15 area. He'd be fine with doing the Arnold, which hopefully yeah, they're but... doing the Arnold from hometown. They better not do the Arnold from nationals. Cause <laughs> that, would, you, that would that be hilarious. Showdown. That would be I so funny. So. That, that, that would, yeah. So I am assuming that they're still going to do the Arnold from hometown showdown because they can't do it from nationals because there's not enough people. So he'll probably just do the Arnold, uh, which is fine by him. Yeah. Um, Cause again, like I, I, all my lifters were pretty understanding that uh, this is supposed to be elite. So if they can't get in, they get why um, I think the only one, this kind of goes back to something I thought should have happened. Um, Matt Cronin had a world's team spot. Yeah. And so now he doesn't get to go to world's. Um, I think he should have had the chance to go to Worlds and gotten first dibs at it still. Um, but now, like, it's going to be hard for him to defend it because, like, now juniors are split up. He might not be able to get in the raw nationals. So does he have to do the junior? That's a weird thing. Like, he wants to go back to Worlds. So how is he going to get there and make sure he has the best chance to get there and there isn't a mm-hmm. real good option? So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this I, – I, like, from what I've heard from other coaches – uh, my own and others is just like this is also how they make a living so just being like if it's going to be an economic loss going out to world i mean going out to nationals which it can be when you add up travel fees and all that stuff and really you you might be losing money in the process which if you're coaching at raw nationals you should be making money that's your job that's how you earn a living so you should be it shouldn't be that big of an issue or not be made of such an issue for coaches and such a obstacle they have to get through but also when i think of certain junior lifters that that's another 
that's because you mentioned Matt Cronin. I know Carson Allen too. It's like what's you know he's in limbo too when you really think about it. But then I mentioned Nico Flores at the beginning of the show, but also another guy I thought of an eighty three kg, which was brought to my attention. You know Antonio Fazio, like fantastic lifter, twenty one years old can really make a splash at Raw Nationals. Don't know personally if he wanted to go to Raw Nationals, but now he's like forced to do collegiate and juniors. Because he has no idea what lies for him at Raw Nationals. So he's forced to do that, and it just kind of robs him of a performance he could have to, again, break into the top ten. And this is important for competitors to move up in the rankings. And I guess I could always – what's up? Well, this is a tough one because some of the best, best juniors are the top guys at Raw Nationals too. Yeah. But what they – this is another thing, talking about world teams, there should have been juniors – and you go to junior nationals, and if you win, you get a world team spot. If you forego that and go to open nationals, you are competing as an open lifter. Yeah. That should have been it. It shouldn't have been this like, oh, you can compete at either and get a world team spot. It should have been if you're a junior and you want to get a world team spot, you're going to compete with the best juniors at junior nationals. Yeah. If you go to open, you're competing open. It doesn't count. You're competing against the best open people, which I don't think any of the jun- like any of those juniors going to open nationals to try and win, they're fine with that yeah. because – they don't care about winning juniors. They already knew they would. They care about winning open Nats to be the open representative at Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, so. like uh, Aiden Raider was another one who was he was just telling me, he's like, I want to compete at Ron Nationals. I want to compete in the open. Like, And he, you know, the meet that he was going to do, or I'm pretty sure he's going to do it, the one in February, was so he can get a primetime slot. Now that's still thrown in the air, but he's – He's definitely well within range to get top 15. If we go based on our recommendation, he's within range. And to him, he is willing to forego the junior spot, that teen spot, just so he can compete with the big boys. And And uh, lifters know that. And lifters do know this. I'm a big proponent of letting us choose. Yeah. Like letting us choose to forego something. Let us choose versus telling us, like, this is what you have to do. And this is what we're going to like, let the juniors choose what they want to do. Let, like I said, I still think the world's team members from 2019 should get their spots. Let them choose if they still want their spots. I, I think there should have been choices for the lifters. Absolutely. And I think, I, I don't think you would have any buyer's remorse there. And if there is buyer's remorse, you know, tough shit. Like the USAPL. Yeah. yeah like if you, USA- if you made that choice, you chose that. So you can't have buyer's remorse yeah. versus if they chose it for us, well then we're, we, we have the right to be pissed. Exactly. And you know, like, Austin Perkins makes it very clear. He doesn't care. He wants to win open nationals. He yep. wants to beat Taylor Atwood. Jesus Oliveras wants to beat Ray Williams. They don't care about their spots. There's a lot of dudes. There's a lot of dudes in the open who really just don't even give a shit about world spots. They just yep. want to beat. They just want to win nets. Like Noriega, I don't think he cares that much about the world spot. I think he just really wants to beat Russ. And well, yes, he wants both. Okay, well, I mean, they'll be one and the same. But if you give him a choice, like, if you could beat Russ, but you, for whatever weird reason that I just created, you can't compete at Worlds, he would opt to beat Russ. He would opt to beat the best. I'm speaking for him, but I think I would know. He wouldn't feel right winning Worlds or going to Worlds if he didn't beat Russ to get there. Yeah. Because he he wants to get there because he's the best, not because of some gift. Yeah, he like as an alternate spot or as a reserve spot. No, Noriega would. I know now. I I ninety nine point nine percent sure he'd be like, no, I don't care. Have someone else do it because 
his objective is to be the best in the world at 83, and the person and the person he has to beat is Russ for that. So there's a lot of lifters like that who, I mean, if you give I me the choice, American record deadlift from someone that might be in the be in the bills right now. I don't know. I don't care. Fucking try it. I don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> Fucking try it. At this point, I don't give a shit. Do it. I have a meet coming up too, man. I have a meet coming up too. I'll just, you know what? This might be the meet where I try to total like 820. Because I might not get in Raw Nationals, so it's going to be like, we're pushing it, we're putting all our chips on the table, we're going to go, it wasn't supposed to be that way. Maybe I'll pull 771 at this next meet. Wasn't planning on doing that, but fuck it. <laughs> I might as well do it now if Raw Nationals doesn't happen. Just really push my total up there, say if uh, say if Raw Nationals doesn't happen. But, yeah, I and also, like, I keep on thinking, as we're talking, more the more lifters who really get shafted, another guy who I think of is Michael Cole DiPietro. I know I'm, I'm mentioning a lot of Italians for whatever reason. Maybe it's a bias there. But someone like Michael, because if you look at 74 kg, he was in the very same position I was at 2019 Raw Nats. Outskirts looking in. On that, on that brink of top 10, but not quite top 10. Not quite elite yet. Then he works his ass off and has a fantastic, well-improved 2020 where he put himself into the upper echelon of a very hard division to do, and that's the 74s. Very hard weight class to move up in, and he did it. And he doesn't get rewarded for that at all. Yeah, He's he's at the mercy of, you know, Pug, who hasn't had a legitimate competition since 2019. You know, Michael C., who's really had a, rock, like, rocky patch. Kevin Tran, there's another guy, hasn't competed since 2019. Then you've course got the two guys that's extremely merited at wood and perk but if you look at a 74 has been super super active in 2020 who's deserved that spot in raw nationals i mean prime time for sure but looking beyond prime time just a chance to compete with these guys is mike and he he doesn't get it he doesn't get it because of this weird technicality that makes no sense because again you look you even if you look at the top five like all right you're, are you, you're, you know, C-bombed out of Raw Nationals. Then you have four or five kind of, I'm not going to say gifted, but they're not they're not the top 74 KG guys. And like, and a lot of them haven't competed since that. Like, Pug had his chance to compete in 2020, and that, and he, he fell short of that. Mike Michael, because of someone else's performance, should be rewarded for that. That's how athletics work. Like, have him go up there. Let's, let's have this guy. That's his time to shine. Have Mike go up there. And it might be biased because he's from Illinois and Italian. And I've been mentioning a lot of Italians for some reason this episode. But it's very pro-Italian podcast. Uh, but I, I, more I think of it, the more angry I get and the more annoyed I am. And I just might be wasted energy because they could change their plans. Or it might be wasted energy because, you know, we just might – I might default to I just don't care at a point. Like, I, there's nothing. If there's nothing I can do to help it, I'm just gonna go compete, try to kick ass somewhere else, and that's it. That's what's gonna be the the plan from now on because there's nothing you can do. Yep. Well, I think in summary, this was a really stupid decision, but it can easily be fixed with one announcement. Yeah. No they one has all of it. No, no invite has been sent yet. They can. They can tomorrow. Fix it, and everyone else is gonna be like, "Okay, thank you, USA Powerlifting. You fixed it. We're good. We'll come." It's very, very, very easily fixable. Still, so I am, I am hoping very much 
that that is going to be the case. So we've got until February 1st until this is official per se. Yeah. So. I could, I could, uh, yeah, I could be optimist. I could be optimistic for that long. And also maybe if you guys want to send this episode to people in USAPL, you know, I don't know how they even, cause I, I know for a fact they probably don't use social media because I remember on New Year's, remember on New Year's Eve, they like made a post, a story post. And I felt like it was the first time they ever used the GIF feature because they used Taco Bell like promotional. And I don't think they realized. I don't think they realized it because I messaged it to a group chat and I was like, did they use a Taco Bell GIF on this one? Like, I don't realize because this is like Live Moss 2021. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? I'm like, maybe, maybe they love, I mean, who knows? Maybe they, the person ahead of social media loves Taco Bell. But. Again, if you guys want to share this episode, maybe leave out some parts where I was rather insulting of the USAPL. I don't want to hurt my chances and get drug tested every single meet from now to the end of time. But maybe send it to them. Maybe maybe clip it to where you see fit. Um, just so you can just so you can help me out and I don't get banned for being insulting. Because I don't know that could run you banned. Who knows? But moving on to more important things. Unless you have anything else to add to this? No, I think we I think we covered it. We we probably could rant for another hour, but I think we're we're good. Yeah, I think I needed that too. I think I needed to yell. I was, I was just at the gym, pissed I'll, off yesterday. I'll bill you. I'll bill you for this therapy session after we get off. The yeah, call. so I was at the gym, just pissed off yesterday after they announced that. Uh, so I think I need. You always well. need that if you're pissed off at work. You always need that time to complain, to rant about it, and then once you kind of got that out of your system, you can move on with your day. Still got on with my workout uh, pretty well. You see how that. You see how uh, Sean Rodriguez one at Max looked yesterday? Yeah, looked look decent. Looked look pretty decent. sweet, right? Looked pretty good. It was pretty, right. pretty decent. So, I mean, it was a decent training session. I don't know. I think maybe that anger worked. But, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, you got you to gotta sometimes expel all that negativity. And to get on to a two white lights topic, which kind of was a trickle-down topic from last time. Because you said something during that last show that kind of stirred up I wouldn't say controversy, but some interest. Something that a lot of people agree with, but also something that people disagree with with some venom. Like, they really find it insulting that you would say that powerlifting will never be mainstream. And we were thinking about the show topic of ways to make powerlifting more legitimate, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand. Legitimate, I was kind of tying that into popularity and mainstream. You can take that legitimate term and turn it however you want, and make and make it fit your definition of how it fit into the context with our topic, but in our terms, even even mainstream deserves a bit of like an explanation. So we have to come up with ideas to make the sport more legitimate and mainstream. But from what I've picked up, there's a lot of different definitions of what mainstream is. My definition of mainstream, I know, differs from yours. So why don't you tell me? what you think mainstream is. So when I say it will never be mainstream, like, I mean, I hope no one argues we're going to be the NFL because we're never going to be the NFL. Like that's, that's not mainstream. That's different. I look at kind of the gold standard as CrossFit, Um, maybe even bodybuilding. I would say like bodybuilding and CrossFit are the two that have reached a level of household name. Yeah. They have household names of editors I mean, everyone knows who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Whenever say I tell anyone I'm a powerlifting coach, they think I'm a bi- train bodybuilder. Yeah. Like those are mainstream. Everyone knows what that is, even if they've never seen the sport before. 
Um, so that sense of kind of like recognition. And I think kind of one of the things I mentioned to you that kind of like gets it to like a good way of like status of saying this is mainstream. It has the top tier athletes being able to make significant money from just competing alone. Yeah. Like we have some people who make money, but like Russ doesn't make significant money because he's competing. He's making money because he has get better to gay and he has yeah. get better today and he has YouTube. Like he's not making money just to compete you, like there is in CrossFit and strongman and bodybuilding. I think that's when it's mainstream, when there's enough money. In the, I mean, that's kind of something we're talking about. A lot of people throw out the money word and making legitimate or mainstream. That, that's very true. Money is a way to quantify mainstreamness um, yeah. because that is an effect. We get more money if we are mainstream and more money comes in if we are mainstream. Give and take. So if there is people that can actually do the sport, make some pretty significant money doing it and be able to do it full time as just a competitor would be what I consider mainstream. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I can agree with that uh, definition of mainstream. Of course, Money is a big thing. Making it your living. Saying you're a professional powerlifter, like technically I'm a professional powerlifter because I earn mm-hmm. money from a competition. Thanks, Steve. But I earn yeah. money from a powerlifting competition that makes you professional in a way, but not exactly. It's it's where powerlifting is paying the bills, and it's simply because you're an athlete and you are an employee, really, of an organization or a team that is powerlifting-based. And my definition of mainstream differed a little bit because when I was thinking mainstream, I wasn't thinking of CrossFit because I don't consider CrossFit mainstream. I know people understand what CrossFit is, but I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a professional CrossFit games or people are getting paid from CrossFit. They've had a relative to do CrossFit. They saw it on the news. They saw it on, you know, an online blog or something. Um, and they have an idea what CrossFit is in a way to get in shape, but not necessarily a professional sport. And I looked at mainstream as the NFL or Major League Baseball, professional or sporting organizations where you could hate baseball, you could hate football, but you'll know who the Chicago Bears are. You'll know who the New York Yankees are. You'll know who all these teams are because it's so engraved in our culture that you're just forced to realize it. Like, you can go randomly into places and someone will be wearing a professional sports team jersey from any team, but they'll be wearing it. So that to me is mainstream. And when you said powerlifting would never be mainstream, yeah, I was like, I don't think they'll ever be at the point where people are wearing USAPL shirts or people are wearing, like, I guess people do wear Russ or he merchandise, but not to a point where it's mainstream, where you could totally recognize, oh, that's Russ's brand. Oh, that's Daniela mm-hmm. Mello's brand. I don't think it'll ever be to that point. I don't think it'll ever be a household name of powerlifting, but I for sure think it could reach a level of popularity that is CrossFit. Or, in certain regards, Olympic sports. Because this was an interesting conversation I was having. The Olympics itself is mainstream. Everyone knows what the Olympics are. But right now, I would say Russ Orhe, Steffi Cohen, Daniela Mello are way more famous and way more mainstream than the best shot putter in America. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. I mean, no disrespect to shot put. It's an awesome sport that tests athleticism and strength, but no, it's not popular. It's not mainstream. A lot of Olympic sports aren't mainstream. A lot of Olympic sports are, you can make up a sport and tell me it's the Olympic sport and I might believe you. 
because I have no recollection of power walking. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, it actually, is an Olympic. We sport. could we can make a segment. Is it Olympic sport? And he just asked me, and I'll be like, sure, no, maybe we could put bets on it or something. Uh, because I, I have no idea. Now, swimming, Michael Phelps, of course, he's mainstream. Swimming's mainstream. Usain Bolt, mainstream. Um, I mean, even the Winter Olympics, like snowboarding, like Sean White, mainstream. Mm-hmm. Hockey, of course, but that segues into, I mean, that kind of relates to the National Hockey League. But there's certain things that aren't mainstream within the Olympics where I think powerlifting has already surpassed it. And I think in certain regards, especially, I wouldn't say internationally, but in the American point of view weightlifting i think powerlifters are way more mainstream than that i agree so and i'll adjust let me let me adjust one thing in my mainstream definition i say crossfit but crossfit ruined themselves i think there's an element to mainstream that you don't just reach reach a peak of popularity and then you go away and you're a fat bodybuilding would be the better reference bodybuilding and honestly that's mainly because of arnold schwarzenegger and that's something we're going to talk about. Kind of one of my bullet points is yeah. having this poster child, but like bodybuilding is truly mainstream in my opinion, in the sense of fitness and CrossFit and strongman are two other to talk about, but they have, they might be mainstream, but they haven't been able to show the longevity. So mm-hmm. I could get behind that. I think powerlifting could hit a peak of mainstream. I think, I don't know if it, could maintain it because I think it would be because of some something like a Thor Bjornsson, um, which we can talk about more about that. But uh, Strongman is going to probably struggle to stay at its peak because mm-hmm. Thor is retiring. Yeah, um, there's well, I mean, just like every professional sports organization, it goes through waves. You know, yeah. I'm like, I mean, just a few years ago, we were saying something along the lines that the NBA is going is dominating the NFL and that's become America's sport. And within a year, it's not the case anymore because the NFL, re, not rebranded, they got more athletes that are reaching an audience, and now they're kind of surpassing NBA again. And it's going to happen. It's always going to happen. Baseball was dead. People were considering baseball to be a dying, dying sport in the 1990s and to the 2000s until Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa happened. Then it became, boom, the, it's the most recognizable sport in America because of that. And steroids, unrelated, but I mean, kind of related. It's powerlifting, and we might actually touch on that. But like, it, sports go through waves, and I think CrossFit—you hit the nail right on the head there. It was going through waves itself. It was super popular, but then it becomes a fad. And when I look at bodybuilding, that gone through waves. That's gone through waves too. But the the thing that I've heard about the early stages reminds me a lot of powerlifting, where before pumping iron came out before they had that which was the boom for power, that 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 documentary sir made the sport of bodybuilding that much more popular because you got to see the athletes you got to see the looks you got to see the charisma of Arnold Schwarzenegger what people don't realize when he won the olympia he didn't get a whole lot of money wasn't mm-hmm. like that big of a thing actually a lot of the guys were working side jobs they were working. They were prof- They were professional bodybuilders, but they had their own professions, and they really just liked to bodybuild because they loved it and they loved hanging out with their friends. They just had a passion for it. That's what powerlifting is currently. Some people get paid. Some people win some money at meets. But we just love to do it, and we love to compete, and we love the environment and the culture of powerlifting. 
There is you're kind of alluding, you're kind of alluding to what happened though. Like you, like you said, Arnold wasn't famous for winning the Olympia. Yeah. Thor isn't famous for winning World's Strongest Man. They're both famous for their celebrity within film. Yeah. That's what, which then Ooh. trickled down, which what? goes back to needing. It's going to be tough. I mean, because I'm, I'm using those as an example. I don't think bodybuilding would have ever been what it was if Arnold wasn't the Terminator. Well, hold on, hold on. I might disagree with you for a second there. Because when uh, Pumping Iron was an uh, immensely popular documentary and Arnold was a star, he got yes. those movie roles because of his bodybuilding. He did, but it didn't trickle back to bodybuilding until the movie roles. So I'm saying it opened opportunities. So I'm okay. saying All there right. can be things that open opportunities, but it's not going to trickle back to bodybuilding being mainstream until he does what gets recognized outside of just bodybuilders. Now everyone in the world knows who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Yeah. Okay. Not because of pumping iron, but pumping iron got him to the point to get a role that got him that. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I get on board with that now. Just, I, I think the distinction is big when comparing Schwarzenegger with Thor, because the mountain was the reason why I'm like, I didn't know he was a strong man until I watched game of Thrones. Yeah. Like a so lot of people, a lot of people just watched pumping iron because it was an yeah. interesting documentary. It was quite, out there. Yeah. And some people get listening to this are going to say, well, well, before Thor, Strongman was on ESPN. Yes, it was. Was there a mainstream aspect? But the money in Strongman since Thor is on Game of Thrones has gone up significantly. Yeah. As well as ask anyone about Strongman outside of the sport and they might, maybe they'll know what it is. Oh, it's on ESPN. Oh, but do you know who Thor is? The guy from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, I know who he is. He does Strongman. Like, he, he brought a level of attention because of that that was never garnered just by being on ESPN. Yes, absolutely. And hold on, I have to throw in an extra one there. Uh, we're forgetting about a certain bodybuilder, Lou Ferrigno, who is, of course, the Incredible Hulk. So oh, yes. I feel like he gets thrown under the rug too much and too much in the whole talk of bodybuilding mainstream success. He was the Incredible Hulk. So, I mean, Terminator, Incredible Hulk. Just about the perfect balance there. Yeah. And he was in a lot of other strange movies, Lou Ferrigno. But yeah, like, Lou Ferrigno is like diet Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, he was able to use that, use that, get into some movie roles, and, you know, make some money from it. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's a good definition of mainstream in the sense of kind of like what we could get to. Because if if we're talking, like you said, we're talking NFL I'm blatantly saying we're never getting to NFL, MLB, NBA standards. It would be hard for any sport to reach that. They've kind of – we don't have enough room to have another sport because yeah. we have to also understand things interlap in a way that makes all these sports popular. If they all ran at the same time, they wouldn't be as popular. Um, yeah. There's a reason they, they, they fluctuate their seasons that not coincide with each other. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I, so then just going back to the top topic – what are ways to make it legitimate? And like I, I think a lot of the times people neglect it as it's never going to be legitimate because it is a pseudo sport, if you will. But Garrett Fear brought this up on um, his episode on a uh, hybrid, the hybrid podcast with Steffi Cohen. He like it's not completely out of the ordinary for powerlifting to gain popularity. It's something you could all recognize, right? It's something 
picking up stuff and feats of strength have been a sport since the dawn of time. Like, how how is baseball now the more legitimate sport? Like, you had to create these odd set of rules that combine the aspects of other sports, like running, strength, jumping, and that became mainstream, and the other ones kind of fell by the wayside. It's it's odd to me. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's completely out of the ordinary where someone could recognize the the uh, best aspects of powerlifting. But and powerlifting has amazing influence. It's just not realized. Like how many? It, it, honestly, it, it kind of comes from CrossFit because powerlifting exploded a lot because of CrossFit. Same with weightlifting. Like we have a lot to thank to CrossFit as well as Instagram and some other things. Um, but like how many people are squatting, benching and deadlifting in gyms now that didn't before? Yeah. Like yeah. being from gold's gym and being in commercial gyms, that wasn't a thing. And now it is a very common thing, but it doesn't mean they know what powerlifting is, mm-hmm. but it, the influence is there. I definitely agree with that. Um, it's can that influence mesh with the actual sport to mm-hmm. actually have everyone understanding what it is. Yeah, and I think, like, can you get to that certain level of CrossFit and maybe go beyond that? And I think to a point you can, and I think, like, we need something like a pumping iron to get at least people more involved in the sport where I I, th- I think it might be asking too much. Versus the world that work? <laughs> no, only because it was shown in the Midwest. Or was it? No, it was international. Yeah, that's what's international, right? That should have done it for us. What what happened? I, I got to, I got to, hold on, I got to reach out because I think a person made Westside First the World and... I, I don't think he's ever mentioned it before. So I got to maybe DM him and say like, hey, is, was that shown internationally? Because I don't know if enough people got into powerlifting or it might have been driven away from it because, you know, yeah. kind of it kind of spotlighted a fucking freak show. But Chuck yeah, Vogelville does not have a movie role yet. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, has West Side First the World failed powerlifting? I mean, Vogelville doesn't have a movie role. I mean, shit, like what's... If you're not gonna if you're not gonna get powerlifting to the mainstream success to be in movies, then he pretty much failed as a filmmaker. In my point, I can't wait to get the angry DM from the guy from West Side First of the World because <laughs> he will get DM this and just lose his mind. But all right, so so let's say, all right. So what are ways to make it more legitimate? We had this up on the Two White Lights page, and we saw a lot of different things. And I think the grand scheme, the big big mention was money. Money. Money will make it more legitimate. I agree. Money will make anything more legitimate. Money is good. That sounds super cool. I'm going to start a business tomorrow. It's going to be super successful because it's it's going to get money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sums of money. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Oh, I mean, I don't want to sound condescending, but, well, duh, we need money. Yeah. I mean, like, of course we need money. That's literally business. You try and get investors. And then you need, or you try and sell a product and you get money and then you have to prove the concept and it grows and you get more money. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is, is it's not, do we need money? Of course we do. It's how do we get money? Mm-hmm. And we need to have ideas of what needs to happen of becoming more legitimate to increase money. And I think I, I kind of touched on this at the very end of last week's episode. I think one thing we all need to understand is the first place the money is going to come from is from the lifters. Yeah. I mean, why does the NFL make money? Because the fans pay for tickets, they pay for merchandise, they pay for all this stuff, they pay for the primetime packages for the uh, NFL red zone. Like, the money, like, can you get investors to inject cash? Yes. 
but then you're not going to keep getting investors unless they're seeing a return on their investment because the people in that sport or business are paying enough to warrant it. So, I mean, this was a topic I had this discussion with a couple of people that were kind of DMing me about this topic. And I mean, the fact of the matter is, is outside of like equipment, um, powerlifting is underpriced. Like let's go bodybuilding. Um, Coaching standards. Um, the average coaching cost for a top end coach in powerlifting is around 150 to 200 a month. Yeah. Bodybuilding 500 plus a month is pretty standard. I mean, there's people charging a thousand plus a month for coaching. Yeah. You sign up for a bodybuilding show. That's going to be a couple hundred bucks. I mean, that might range the four to 500 bucks to sign up for a show. Powerlifting me charge more than 80 bucks. It's a cash grab. Yeah. If we want high production meets and we want all this stuff, Money has to be injected into the sport and we're not getting investors that are going to do that. Mm-hmm. So that means the lifters have to be okay with then injecting more money in. So there's kind of this give and take here. Cause if I all of a sudden said, okay, I'm going to host these, ama- we're going to start hosting these high production, amazing meets. It's going to get a lot of attention. It's going to be able to grow the sport. It's going to cost $300 to enter. And that's going to be the, the normal price to enter a meet. What would lifters say? With lifter, I mean, there'd be a lot of people that would leave the sport. I'm not paying $300. Oh, yeah. But then those are the same people that say, well, we need to grow the sport. We need to be more mainstream. Or I want to be mainstream. Well, we, we won't get there without some type of form of money injected. And maybe maybe I'm wrong in the sense of it has to come from meats and that kind of stuff. Maybe yeah. there's another way. I don't know. I know I talked to you. Maybe all of the money going to trend is then trickled back into powerlifting mm-hmm. because the enormity is spent on illegal drugs – um, which never comes back to the sport um, is taking away from what we could actually do for the sport. So people are spending a lot of money on trend. If we could just give that to the sport instead, maybe we could grow. Yes, absolutely. I mean, at times it can give back to the sport. You get a total in there, but also it can give like, uh, it could lead way to an injury or something uh, that'll actually <laughs> hurt the sport in the process. So yeah, I agree. We should actually try to come up with an economic like stimulus plan for trend payments and see if we can get that trickle down back into the sport somehow in some way shape or form but i think that the tough thing for a lot of lifters to grasp and i've mentioned this on a few episodes of two white lights is we are we are at the early days of the popularity of powerlifting this is something that i don't think we're ever going to reap the advantages of or we're going to get the start of it and not really the full effect of it is the growing of the sport where there's not a lot of money involved because we just don't have what you mentioned, the investors, the amount of money circulating through the sport. And this, there's an attitude about it where people just assume that you are going to be given money. You're going to be given money from a meet. Like just give me back the money I gave you. It's that easy, right? I gave you money. You give me back all the lifters money that you've made from this meet. And people don't understand the concept of running a meet and where that money comes from and why like the current US Open has a big payout or a hybrid has a big pay or why hybrid has a big payout why the Circle City Super had a payout people there are a lot of people in the sport who just assume like the gym owner gave you that money the meat director just gave you the money his his or her own money like here you go like that, that's that's a cash out prize, and it's not the case. It's from sponsorships. It's for people investing into the meat and then giving back to the lifters. And I also see the the trend now, which is good, 
where Russ is using his fame to make money and still grow the sport. And because of that, there will be more brands. There will be more marketing opportunities specifically for powerlifting. But we're at the early days of it right now. We're seeing the growth of that, and it won't be. It's going to take some time for it to be elevated to the point where people are going to be paid for powerlifting, just simply for competing, not becoming an entrepreneur, not becoming a businessman yourself. Because um, I, I got to have Jamar Royster on the show on soon because we had a really good conversation about this. Is just we have to find ways to make money for ourselves by being creative. It's not going to be from powerlifting. It's going to be from us being creative ourselves. So. And, and that, but but us doing that, which often gets often gets shit on a lot from a lot of powerlifters. That's where this is where the attitude comes in. Where I think there needs to be an a lot attitude. of hypocrisy and all this money stuff. Yeah, a, a, a lot of, an attitude adjustment has to happen here because me me and Jamar talked about like a lot of people frown upon you know getting publicity and making your own business. Like oh, it should be just about lifting weights. Like no, we're us doing this, us bringing you a media company like Two White Lights where we talk about the sport that helps. That will help eventually get you guys money and in a position of popularity where someone will invest in the sport. Like this is this is why this stuff exists. And we're trying to make the sport more legitimate by doing that. So that's like the first step in getting the lifters what they want. And of course, investors will help, but we need to give them up we need to give a product that is marketable. Yeah. Before like, we do that. Getting like every, people will be like, well, just get sponsors. That's easier said than done. Yeah. I mean some of these meets can get some sponsors, but if you actually, I mean, they don't get, other than Raw Nationals, a lot of these don't get, like, the big sponsors. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't see Mark Bell sponsoring any powerlifting meets really anymore and putting a bunch of meat money into it. SBD was obviously going to do the Shelf- Sheffield, and they do sponsor meets, but they don't sponsor small meets. They sponsor the big ones mm-hmm. because most of these aren't, companies aren't going to get their return on investment. Like, they're like again, if we don't put money in to get to make the return on investment for these sponsors happen. Like they aren't going to continue sponsoring meets. Like they have to see the merit of giving money to the lifters coming back to them or else they stop, which is what we see a lot. We, we, if you actually look uh, over time, if you look at the last like five years, you'll see these sponsors kind of cycle in and out of who's sponsoring meets yeah. because they do it for a year or two. They realize there's no money to be made and then they're out. It's kind of actually a good example is the Arnold Expo. There's a lot of companies that they go to the Arnold Expo for a year or two. They realize it's not worth the money at all to pay that much. And then they're out again. And the same thing happens. So there has, I, I don't think either of us are going to have a good way to say, this is how it's going to happen or yeah. else we would every, it would have been fixed by now, but there has to be something of where money's going to be coming in in some way. And like you said, it may be more creative. It may not be coming from like, the means we're doing right now, it's going to be coming from people like more people being like Russ um, yeah. and being able to grow the sport through individual brands and outreach and things like that um, to be able to then have ways to be able to kind of grow the mainstream popularity um, and the outreach of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I brought up last week with uh, Garrett, like that was, that's the reason why I was so impressed with that meet. Cause it was someone who has a popular stance in powerlifting, who is, is a very prominent figure using their contributions to the sport or their popularity to their advantage and getting something back to the lifters. Like those are, those are companies he has a close relationship to for a reason. He puts in the legwork, he hustles, he gets, he, he, he created those relationships and then go strong hybrid. Perfect. Like you get, now you get to make a meet that hybrid and ghost helps you with. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of, and same thing with Russ. If Russ, if Russ decides to, 
throw more meat to corrupt his strength, you could bet your ass that there's going to be people sponsoring that meat and getting money out because Russ is a very popular guy. He is going to be an excellent marketing tool, and he is going to get eyes on the sport in some way. And you know he's going to add a great production value to that, which is our next point. Production. Yep. Production value. And I'll actually, this goes with it, so I'm going to insert it in. One thing that will be interesting, the Sheffield can be great. I think the thing that could trump the Sheffield, and this goes to quality, competition, production, viewing experience, I can't even think the name of it now. What was Steffi? Steffi Cohen was basically going to do the Arnold, but for strength sports. The Kratos. Kratos is that what it was has, I think if there's something that probably has the highest potential, mainly because, I mean, who's who's got I, I, powerlifting? I don't think there's anyone more famous than Steffi. I don't. I, I can't think of anyone. I, I think mean, Larry Wheels, but at this point, he's famous for weird stuff and not powerlifting anymore. Um, yeah. Steffi at least is still in the sport and giving back to the sport. Larry doesn't. So if there's something like Kratos, seems like the thing that could be there. As Sheffield could be, but I don't. I don't know if it's going to be in the realm of what Steffi can bring to the sport in totality versus just one meet. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I would agree with you. Uh, COVID, just like. Sheffield completely derailed that from happening, but yeah, it was going to be something of a strength expo for powerlifters, strongman, Olympic lifters alike, but it was going to be that viewing experience of a professional athlete. That was her big thing. And I know, and you know, when someone gets attached to something, it's going to be great. Steffi Cohen puts a lot of effort and same thing with hybrid puts a lot of effort into bringing you a sleek professional well done product in in just in a powerlifting sense because that episode she did with garrett um i hate to plug another podcast on a podcast but go listen to that one because it was like a very like a very passionate stance on being professional she talks about how in uspa meets like you know people are dressing uh, people have flip-flops on and people aren't dressed like coaches people aren't dressed like athletes like no Wear a clean shirt. Wear a collared shirt. Wear some ca- Show to me that you're a professional coach. Don't come to the meet, you know, in a baseball hat and looking like a hoodie. I want to wear a hoodie. Cut off sleeves. Yeah, do that. I mean, do that. Yeah, of course. Actually, just put on a headset for no reason. Yeah, do it. I mean, oh, and a, a clipboard that you're not going to use. I, I, I would love that. Or the the play calling a wrist thing. That would be great. But yeah, like. You know that the Kratos would be professionally done because of her, because she's attached to it. So, and that was that was the biggest what if I think of I think I, I think from a bias view because I'm a USAPL lifter and IPF you know enthusiast. Sheffield was the one I was looking forward to, but the Kratos would have been you know probably more so than that. And we we are seeing that. And so from the production value, a, a viewer friendly experience, a high production live stream, I think. That is definitely going to make the sport more legitimate. And I know at the Kratos that would have happened. I know at um, the Sheffield, hopefully that would have happened. Because occasionally, you know, USAPL, in my opinion, doesn't have the best announcing crew. You know, maybe they should, you know, give give me a call uh, every now and then. But I think that is huge in powerlifting. And that is something that I completely agree with. The viewing experience it needs to be improved from sitting at your house watching the sport because you're not going to be able to make the travel with every single big meet that happens. Actually, we hope you don't have to. We hope you can just sit back on your couch and watch a live stream of something, and we need to make those more professional. Yep. 
And I think some, some notes I had with that. So we, we've talked about this before. Like if, if there's production value getting there, Raw Nationals and the Arnold is getting there in the sense of the viewer experience at the meet. Mm-hmm. And that does translate a bit to the live stream. But like we got to think about like when we are watching sports, there are certain things we care about. The score, big old bold letters. You can walk, you can turn a game on at any point in time and know exactly what the score is. Can you turn on prime time and have any idea what's really going on? And yeah. Maybe you can pull up lifting cast, but then you have to know how to read lifting cast. Yeah. Can a, in a person with no knowledge of the sport, turn it on and have an idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do that, but it's not being done. Like right now it's just like things that power lifters understand being like put at the bottom and yeah. here's the kilos in kilos that's one thing like yeah obviously we're not going to switch from kilos but like if we're doing a live stream and we're wanting super high production value that is very easy to watch it should be very obvious what weight is being lifted in pounds and it should be very obvious the current ranking and projected rankings of the lifters at all times mm-hmm. so that yeah. we can actually have a viewing experience of competition and that, that's not my that's not the only ideas that will fix it i'm, I'm t- thinking in general yeah like the viewing experience needs to be improved so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of harp on one thing that might not be popular with some of the untested side showdown is not fun to watch right now Mm -hmm. you you had no idea what was going on i i I didn't watch a live stream from it but i mean it was it was it was a good quality live stream but i'm talking in the sense of how esteemed that meat is it was very it wasn't very easy to watch it um and so when we have these big meats and i'm 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 not even saying usapl's got it right i think the prime time's getting there um, Arnold isn't quite there, but like it has to be viewer friendly so that not only a well-knowledge power lifter can watch it, but my mom can sit down next to me and know that this person's lifting this much weight and that person's in third place right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. Know that from just looking at the screen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just doing the circle city super, like well, that was a great live stream and I had a great time doing it, but I had to announce all these things. And I had to yeah. be informed on what was going on because there was a situation where a lifter was pulling for the win in the female division. So I wanted to make sure that was announced, but you have to announce it. And that's not the best way to do that. Like just simply announcing it, someone could just easily miss it. They could miss announcement or some people don't really have the commentators on in a lot of yep. times. So like you really have to be sure that you're announcing those things because a pulling for the win situation is you know, the, the best thing in powerlifting, in my opinion, or something that's the most marketable, and it'll make it more legitimate, is these one-on-one storylines. When you pull for the win, you can announce it like, this is huge right here. If if, if this female gets it, I can, it was Chrissy Brown. If Chrissy Brown hits this deadlift, she wins $500. You know, create the excitement, and people get to acknowledge that, but it'll be a lot easier for you to see the graphic. Yeah. Of pull for, or I mean, this, I mean you can make it big. Pull for the win. Something at the bottom, a graphic, pulling for the win. Christy yeah. Brown is currently pulling for a win. Boom, that'll be great. That'll be such an easy thing. You know exactly who's going to win if this person completes the deadlift. So yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, a big thing I was getting was dynamic cam- camera angles, which um, I'm really I'm a huge proponent of that. I would love to see a traveling camera from the dugout to the platform. I would love to have a camera following the lifter in that kind of encapsulates the feel of a meet, the intensity of the next attempt. Um, also, pros in the side judge's head for depth. <laughs> yes, do it. That'll be amazing. Or I mean, yeah, some of the that's the best seat in the house. 
is some of those uh so this attack i don't think the judges would care just attach a camera to their head attach a gopro to them uh can't be that hard to do I'm, and i'm being honest can't be that difficult to actually do that and i think the judges won't have any quarrels with that um also getting the crowd in there too so many live streams don't even show the crowd i was yeah. like i would love a back shot deadlift angle for raw nationals because this is me when isaac was talking about like you had to be there to really appreciate Raw Nationals. It was a beautifully produced meet with a beautiful, beautiful backdrop, a beautiful jumbotron, and you saw none of that. Crowd was full. People were drinking, having a good time. You saw that at the meet. You didn't see it on the live stream. If you get that in there, people will be like, whoa, people watch this sport? People attend this? People have a good time? People cheer? If we would have saw, oh, that would have been a great camera angle. The back actually we could have saw depth here too the back for judges squat or for russ's squat the back view of it with the crowd anticipating the white lights and seeing the crowd erupt when he got the white lights to save himself from bomb out that would have been awesome that would have been great you would have saw crowd reaction people assume there's no crowd reaction in powerlifting there is there's a lot of it especially at raw nationals and you miss all that because the live stream which I think they're working with what they have right now, but they can be improved to get people in the sport. Yep. That's something to clarify too. Like I think what, so like the live streams right now, like even though the showdown, it's not bad. They're, they're yeah. better than they've been. But what we need is a trip. Like we're not going to have all these meets, like tons of meets that are going to have unbelievable production quality because there's not enough money. There's yeah. not enough money, but we need a meet just like there's the world's strongest man. Not every strongman competition has the production value of world's strongest man. But guess what happens when you have at least that meat that can have that outreach from the production value? It does have a trickle-down effect. And mm-hmm. I actually think COVID, maybe one thing that comes out of COVID, is a, a high-quality live stream may now start to be, even after we get out of this and be more spectator, it may start to be a standard. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Because there needs to be a trickle-down that the standard not only increases going up to the top meets, but it starts going down to the local meets because everything keeps getting elevated mm-hmm. where we expect a certain standard and we don't uh, allow ourselves to support things that don't drive that standard forward yes. so that we can eventually have the Sheffield with these camera angles because it'll be something like that. It'll be the Sheffield or Kratos with this crazy stuff because the money is there for that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we're going to see that kind of bottoms up improvement as well. Absolutely, and I and I, I think the development in live streams has been one of the best growths of powerlifting so far. Like seriously, it has grown exponentially since I got started in powerlifting. Yeah. Like, I mean, so my first APF meet, I thought that's what a live stream was, and it looked like it was just a phone recording the entire time, and that was it. And now, you know, the circle, the Circle City Super with uh, Albert Alvarado and Squat to Depth. You get him, you're going to get a high quality, great live stream on Twitch. It's going to be great. You're going to be able to see everything. He's going to take it to a level that's going to progress, and you're going to see a lot of other people do the same thing because it's now – you have enough people qualified to do that. And also, I mean, you mentioned the showdown, which actually they got a little – they got a little cocky in the uh, the, uh, comments there. They told us to hold their beers. So, I mean, that's another meet I'm really looking forward to because I think meets like that can help it, but – that's another thing that people really wanted to see was um, more min money meets and less big money meets. So yeah. I think the showdown could be a something that will you know fit in the middle there where it's not exactly the U.S. the current U.S. Open, but it's still bigger than your 
average oh, meat. Well, that's actually some the current. I have to we'll talk about this. Here's my point. The current's going down. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's something. So poor management. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been in the sport. Yeah, well, exactly. I haven't been in the sport long, but these big money meets aren't new. Yeah, there has been this constantly through the entirety of the sport for a long time now. And what always happens is these meets last for about four or five years. They have some peak of money payout, and then it starts going down. And, and that comes back to two things. It comes down to, unfortunately, some of it the is politics. Yeah, earn. Um, and then the second thing is sponsors realizing they're not getting their return on investment. And mm-hmm. so the money starts going down. I mean, the current is still happening because Russ Kern is some super rich doctor who's in, who's injecting money into it. Yeah. But otherwise it probably wouldn't still be around if they didn't have that. Yeah. Um, I, I would that, say the third thing though, is putting a bear in a cage, right? Yes. Maybe, maybe that will be hurting it as well. That could possibly Maybe that's a bad allocation of money and funds. Bears. So I, I mean, one of the things an issue with like the Kern, they put all the money into paying the lifters and none to make the meat good. Oh yeah, they were pulling on a church door. The last Kern, if yes, the platform like, was a hydraulic platform. Like these they didn't plan are, that. They didn't plan they, a low rider platform. There's some issues with priorities here. So, um, and I know kind of what you're getting to here is big money meets are good. Like we need, but we need kind of the big money meet. Yeah, there's the big money meet. Which may be on, like, the showdown's trying to do it, but I'm just going to be honest. It's going to be easier for Steffi to do that. Yes. Because guess who's getting a ton of money? Steffi. Because she has one of the most successful brands in all of powerlifting. Mm -hmm. She has the financial ability to probably do more than the showdown currently does. That's just, I mean, I'm not trying to knock the showdown. She just does. If we could have the Sheffield and we could have Kratos be the big money meets, and then from there, we have a lot more midwest prime times yeah mid money meets um because the fact of the matter is the midwest prime time not to knock you angelo but like we didn't have truly the top lifters in the world yeah we had kind of like tier two but it was awesome yeah it got a lot of attention people loved it people tuned in we had some things going from it what if that was happening every month around the u.s yeah yeah. Think about how much more that would make it fun, not just to watch the meet Raw Nationals or the meet the showdown, but every single month somewhere in the U.S. there is a truly competitive meet with, doesn't have to be the best lifters, but lifters who are fairly competitive competing against each other and putting value into it and giving small payoffs to reward them. But I think it's, it's kind of like business. If you start a business today, would you immediately say, I need to find a plan to go international and sell to everyone in the world. Or would you try and at least sell it to some local people first and then be popular on the state level and then be popular on the national level and then scale it to international. Like it's like we keep going straight to the biggest money meets and we forget the stepping stone of making the local meets better to then eventually warrant the big money meets. If that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you need a, you need a regular season before you get to the Super Bowl, right? You need a regular season before you get to the playoffs. We need that. We need something to keep us occupied for the big one, for the top one. We need something there, and we need something, I mean, just from a competition standpoint, we need something to lifters to shoot for, to aim for, the playoffs, the Super Bowl. That's something that's a thought in athletes' minds when they're competing. Same thing should be the same for powerlifting. And that will, of course, generate more interest. I mean, making so making the podcast Two White Lights was a difficult thing to do because 
powerlifting has no content. You're covering, I'm, I'm trying to cover a sport that gives us zero content. The most content we're given is from King of Lifts because it's just spotlighting gym lifts. Mm-hmm. It would be great to actually cover a meet. It would be great to yeah. cover an event. There should be no reason we couldn't have a Midwest primetime every month somewhere in the U.S. Yes. I mean, there USAPL has the capabilities. Only the USAPL. It wasn't hard to put together, yes, but I did it pretty much alone, and it was it was doable. And like it, was, the, it was COVID-restricted, too. Yeah. People talk about that. They were talking about the, in the comments. The gold standard right now, because the Midwest primetime is not the gold standard. Like, I, I, I don't have the capabilities to truly put on the mm-hmm. best meet ever. Virginia, I forget the person's name, but whoever is the state director, the meat director in Virginia who put on winter record and does this all the time, that's the standard. Yeah. Why? Like, and if they can do it and they do it, I think this person does it professionally. Like this is like their job. They host meets because that's, why can't that be something that is more like we've got, we could have the East coast, we have the Midwest, we have Texas and we have the West. Why can't there be, these meets popping up on a monthly basis in those sections to garner enough attention with small payouts with like these tier two lifters and maybe some big lifters, but honestly oh, yeah. the Midwest primetime is not as fun. If Russ shows up, does it get more attention? Yeah. Yes. But is it as fun if Russ shows up? Well, you know, it's, it's, not as, it's no longer competitive. Yeah. And well, but, but like, that's the thing you can see. That's something like when you look at Russ, you know, I would say right now the poster boy of the USAPL is Russ. When you look at him, you only get to see him do nationals, worlds, and that's it. There's no real need for him to ever do another meet. But I guarantee you this, he's in Texas, which is funny that you mentioned the regions and just mentioned Texas as its own, like, region. Yeah, because Texas, Texas, <laughs> Texas and the rest of the U.S. at this point. Yeah, it's, we, yeah, especially with powerlifting. Like, you could do Midwest, you could do the West, you could do the East. Then it's Texas, and all the southern states just have to migrate to Texas in order to do a meet. But I actually like that because what I'm about to say is you get a meet in Texas, and you make it a regional meet with a cash payout and make it a product, you know, high production value, real cool-looking meet. Here's the people who would show up. Russ Orhe, Ashton Rouska, Michael C., you will get some good lifters in that meet. And once once you start giving money to best overall lifter, Russ is awesome. Most meets he's going to is competitive. But you throw Ashton Rouska in that meet, it's no longer a Russ runaway win. Ashton Rouska's that guy you have to beat after that, and you really get a good battle just within that region. And that's that's like a tier two because it's a local meet, and you get like not every great competitor, but it will be a superstar meets that people would tune into and people would want to compete at. It will be. I'm playing devil's advocate here, though. Okay. That one, there's a couple things here. Maybe I should get That's going to be hard to be repeatable and get all these top lifters to keep coming to because what we see way too often, because it's not repeatable, is a top lifter shows up, hits openers, wins the money, and leaves. Yeah. That's what happens more often than not. Okay. Would it be great if they all showed up? Yes, but more often than not, one showing up, taking the money and leaving, and it ruins the entirety of the meet. We know Russ is going to the Worlds, and Russ is going to Nationals. We know LeBron's going to be in the NBA Finals. Yeah. That's when we're going to watch them. We're waiting to watch them on that. It even elevates that because we know that not only are they going to be in the best meet ever, they're actually going to have a little competition at that meet. I think something like the Midwest Primetime is better where it actually is that Tier 2 
because it truly was competition. It allows lifters who may not get that mainstream attention at nationals because Russ overshadows them to get the attention. It can have true competition because Russ isn't coming in and taking the money and it's repeatable. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's repeatable. And I don't need Russ to show up to it. Yeah. Because does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a good point. But if you're say if you're gonna do something like a Midwest primetime say in Texas, I don't think Russ walks away with the money with his openers. I would say like again again you would have to rely on a lot of things here. You'd have to rely on all these lifters to go. But have a primetime section for this meet, have the ten lifters like we did for Midwest Primetime, or like a fourteen person flight, have them battle it out, and if if it's gonna be in Texas, I, I'm telling you just based on me this knowing some of these lifters, if there's some sort of competition to be won, they're going to want to go and they're going to want to beat Russ. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They will They will put aside the Nationals and Worlds, not to say not doing them, that filler in between Nationals and Worlds where we need something, or maybe the Arnold in there too. You want to throw that in there, maybe the filler between that, just so they have something to compete for and to look forward to and not put in their numbers just because they want to put in numbers. And you get Ashton Rouska, Chance Mitchell, Michael C. You would get guys who still want to beat Russ and still think they can beat Russ. Because in this in this hypothetical, Ashton beats Russ mm-hmm. on good lift points. He beats him. And there's other guys there who can get close to Russ in certain regards. I mean, Jesus Oliveras would just want to go over there and just squat a thousand pounds. Just like, hey, I, I, you know what? I don't win best on good lift points, but I'm the strongest motherfucker here. I know Jesus would want to do that. The thing though is. That's now a big money meet. Is it big money though? But it, it, it depends, right? On how if you they all show it up. up, it's going to be end up being a big money meet because sponsors are going to start injecting stuff. Okay. Because, like I said, if Rush, if Russ signed up for Midwest Primetime, I'm not turning it down. That would have elevated it so much, but it would have completely changed the dynamic of what that meet did for the sport. Okay. So yes, could that meet happen and Ashton and Russ show up? That's awesome. We all want to watch it. But I'm saying, if that exists, we still need that that just just below tier. Like maybe that all still right. happens, and they all show up. But we need that just below tier, so that we have this again. It goes nationals, regionals, local. It could go even at the local level. It can go top money, big me- money meets in the local level. It can go mid tier money meets at the local level. But right. there has to be competition, and that actually segue. Yeah. What's our next one? Yeah. Lack of true competition. Yeah. And that is what I'm saying here. Is if we want this to be viewer friendly. There has to be competition. And so can there be these big bunny meets? Yes. And that's that I, I would eat, like I said, if Russ and Aston show up, it all of a sudden becomes a bigger thing and now there's money injected. And it's, it's But it would be great to have these mid-tier meets where we can see this true competition because that makes the viewing experience not only for a live stream better, but even for the people there better. Like uh, we talked, I think we kind of mentioned this, the, the winner record kind of, they, they missed the boat in splitting everyone up, it wasn't viewer friendly. I watched it. It wasn't very viewer friendly. Now yeah. I didn't get to watch the Midwest primetime on a live stream, but I know being there, it was very viewer friendly to watch all of you. Mm-hmm. Like it was very obvious. This was a flight of the best lifters. And as we got to deadlifts, it was very obvious the battles that were going on. Yeah. Um, that only happens if we can get those, those lifters that are close to each other in there. And it would be great if these tier two lifters, which you're about to be tier one soon. So you're going to, you're going to graduate and I'm not going to let you come anymore. But if these kind of tier two lifters who are kind of like the 10 to 15 range at nationals can do these meets, have competition 
because that's going to be repeatable throughout the entire U.S. on a monthly basis. We're getting yeah. Russ and Ashton to compete is not repeatable on a monthly basis. That's a good point. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. I, th- I think you can see some of the values just based on within my own like talk here because I started to really get into the competition aspect of it. And you could see that that fires me up. And that's what a lot of people are echoing is they just want to see competition. And I think it, it fires a lot of lifters up to do that. And I think even from a lifter's standpoint, just competing in powerlifting, you know, you, you kind of have to go through this slumber of getting to nationals to be truly com- competitive with a lot of people. And they, 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 they are dying for it. They're dying for the chance to be competitive. And the audience is dying for it too because they want something compelling. They want something compelling to view. They want to see really interesting things. I mean, just competing in Midwest primetime, like that was, aside from the Arnold maybe, Actually, I would actually say more than the Arnold because the Arnold, I was just hoping to have a good performance. Where Midwest primetime, I was like, okay, I'm winning this thing. I know all these people. I'm being competitive with them. I want to make sure that I win against all these competitors. That was something that made Midwest primetime special. was something mm-hmm. that you could easily follow. And yes. I think, there, yeah, you're right. There's so many ways of doing that. Maybe the meet I just described in Texas could be more of a competition base. Of course, the money's going to be injected into it. But if there's something like that where all these top Texas lifters want to compete at, there's also going to be those tier two lifters in Texas who are just as competitive and just as hungry and they want to beat the other people that they've either trained with or seen train on Instagram. And you're going to get that competition flowing. So I think those, those kind of relate very well to each other. Those two, like creating those mid-money uh, tier meets or those – you know, not not always relying on the big ones in order to spur that competitive spirit between lifters. Yeah, because competition doesn't have to occur between Bryce and Ashton or Russ and Sean or something. Like it, it can happen between lifters who are very strong, very fun to watch, but maybe can't win nationals. And I think that's where we could really grow the sport in having that and being able to then change the dynamic of what is powerlifting. Powerlifting is not this thing you just go in, you compete, you put up a total, you get your medal and you leave. Powerlifting is a competitive sport. Absolutely. And right now, they're basically raw nationals and worlds is the only place it's a competitive sport. And the Arnold, to an extent. Ar- Arnold, I'll say Arnold, yes, but not as much. Yeah. I, I call that just, the, if tier one is raw nationals and the world's on competitiveness, the Arnold's number two, just because the Arnold, what we see too often is one stud shows up and they're going to win it. And then you're just all going for second. Yeah, pretty much competition, but you, you know, who's winning going in. Yeah. Which for, sure. say for nationals to an extent, but usually nationals, there's at least a storyline. Like is Perkins going to be, is can Perkins creep up to Atwood where if Atwood shows up to the Arnold, okay, he won. Like mm. it would be like, he's of course he's going to. So that, yeah. And then that goes to the next one. If we can have this true competition on a consistent basis, not just like once a year, consistent, then we can create storylines. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that we can create storylines. We can create fun rivalries. We know uh, Angelo showing up to, to round two with Patrick Poston again, Uh, or Mallory and Christina and Jordan are showing up for round two. Like we can create storylines that continue on a year to year basis because that's only going to happen. Like right now, the storylines are Russ and Sean on Austin and it, but only those storylines, mm-hmm. but we need storylines for that next tier. And that next year could happen. If we have these mid money meets with true competition on a, a consistent basis where we don't have to rely on just the top tier storylines, we can have storylines throughout the rankings. Yes. 
Absolutely. And those, those storylines will happen naturally. You know what I'm saying? That will happen. You don't even like, I think um, a lot of people talk about creating storylines and that does happen. Like so many people are bringing up the UFC and boxing. And I would personally bring up professional wrestling because they, that's the name of the game. They try to create the storyline. They try to create the storyline for the viewer. It's almost like cutting through the bullshit of US of UFC and boxing where they subtly try to create the storyline, but a lot of times the boxing promoter does that. People want it to be creative, but they don't acknowledge that this does naturally happen. Like what what would be great to see is for the viewer, the audience to understand the amount of shit talk that happens between lifters behind closed doors they don't see any of it i'm in enough group chats you know know that like yeah we talk shit to each other all the time we all think we could beat each other i mean maybe not some i mean i'm in a i'm in a group chat with ashton and fucking no i like none of us really but we do shit talk them on occasion we do shit talk each other where we are being competitive and it does it does progress from there like i know me and delaney competed at the arnold we're you know, developing a bit of a friendly rivalry between each other because he beat me at the Arnold and we are kind of tracking our training because he knows that I can make progress. I know he can make progress and we're both trying to beat each other. We're friendly with it, but you can create a rivalry there. And if that's happening between me and Delaney, that's happening with a a lot of other people that's happening within a lot of these almost friend circles. But you know, a lot of times those best rivalries start off in friend circles. Like, you're most competitive with your friends. Ali Frazier, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were very good friends. But they were two fierce competitors who were like, yeah, if we ever step in the ring, I'm beating your ass. You're great and all, but I'm better than you. And I want you to know it. And NBA, we watched The Last Dance. Everyone watched The Last Dance. They're, every time Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley got into a fight, they went out for drinks afterwards. They were just super competitive, and there was rivalries within that. You know, you can you can throw out all the sports analogies you want, and all the sports rivalries you want. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, excellent, very good friends. Maybe not Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. Sounds like he hated Isaiah Thomas based on the Last Dance, but you still get a rivalry there, and mm-hmm. that can't happen in powerlifting. It can't happen naturally, and if you get these meets, you can compete against these guys and really try to beat each other. And that's that's and that's kind of the shame of it is I was psyched to compete against Carson Allen at Midwest Primetime because Carson Allen always beat me. Like I wanted to finally beat Carson because every time I did something, he did it better than I I did. And then at Midwest Primetime, okay, this is the meet we're competing against each other, and I have a chance to beat you now. That's my mo. I mean, he might he might not know it, but that's me going into it, and you could still create that. And if it's just me doing that. Totally, other lifters are going through the same thing, and you can start to spotlight it. Um, yep. You can, and not just in the USAPL either, in other feds. And shameless plug, if people will start doing these meets, Two White Lights needs content. Yeah. We'll talk about them. Yeah. We'll we will. Up. We, like, that's our goal is to hype this up and grow it, and we would love to be able to talk about these to give content outside of raw nationals and the Arnold and these big meets, like let's have these meets that we can talk about on a, on a monthly basis. Yeah, absolutely. And if you need like, like if you're looking for more content, like that's King of lift sometimes gets the label of not spotlighting certain lifters because they're either not strong enough or not popular enough. But you know, if we have more King of lift type content pages, 
we will have an understanding of who to spotlight and what to spotlight. Like, cause I, I know, like, I know there's certain things that King Alyssa might neglect because it's either that it just, from all this content, they can't cover all of it. And like, I could cover a lot of that too. And I have a personal relationship with that. So you want to come on two white lights, do an interview, maybe talk about the meet coming up, maybe talk some shit. Two white lights is there for you. Want, want to get a cool graphic made about it, about the meet? Two white lights is there for you. Like, the, the storylines can be creative. More lifters are active, and you get those mid-money meets. And I would relish at the opportunity for someone to invite me just to commentate a meet or MC a meet or just be there at the meet to cover it with my microphone, maybe do some on-the-fly interviews. I would love that. That would be fantastic for me. Creative with ways to make money. Maybe yes. it starts out you doing it for free. You're offering it. Maybe that now becomes a part-time job and something you start traveling the U.S. for and you're the Gino of uh, live stream announcing. Yeah, I do that too much, by the way. I often just start offering work for free. I got to start actually charging people for that. prime time was that, literally an entire meet where I paid to run it. So, yeah, I've yeah. done that a couple times too. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. I don't think we have a good segue for the next one, so I'll just go into it. But lack of unity, um, not only like in the sense of like the untested side and all these federations, but like the fact that there is multiple sides. There's a great aspect of powerlifting that we have untested and tested, but we also have to understand like if, if something's going to go mainstream, it's not going to be both. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be tested or untested. It's not going to be raw and equipped. It, it's going to be one of them. There's not, I mean, you could say UFC, like you have to be really big to have a Bellator. Yeah, and even with that, it's like it does, it's still not the same. Like, and it, it our, work. ours the is failed twice. Yes. So there's going to be one. It's not like the USAPL and USPA are both going to be the federation. It, the issue is, it's a great thing that we have it, but we're also fighting against each other. Yeah. Like we are, we are, if we are competing to be that that could be mainstream. And we're also dragging each other. We're, we are building each other up in sense because the sport's bigger because we have two federations. We're also dragging each other down because one of us, in the sense, is going to have to be the winner in that sense. We're, I mean, CrossFit has their one. Bodybuilding has IFBB. Strongman has, I don't even know what they consider as just pro strongman, even though they have federations. Like, it's world's strongest man. That's, that's what it is. Like, there, there's yeah. not like, you don't have uh, strongman core and forget the other one both like it's one one's gonna one's gonna take it so not only does untested need to get their stuff together and being one federation we also have to understand if something's going to go mainstream it's not going to be both it's going to be one aspect and we just have to pray it's not multiply yes and i'm pretty sure we're are, we don't really need to pray too hard i don't think multiply is going to and that it's not bench meet bench only meets anymore yeah again praying i don't think we need to pray too hard we, we give like quarter effort prayers on that one um but yeah that's an interesting port, part, uh, point you bring up and it is unique to our sport where mm-hmm. other sports don't have to deal with that like the nfl doesn't have to deal with really just this whole other different type of thing where it's 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 simply based off of uh, the big one is drugs the big one is the untested side it's like it's based on drugs so then you're fighting a, a unique battle i mean there are certain unique qualities to make it cool like, you know, USPA has the deadlift bar, they have the squat bar, they have the 24-hour weigh-ins. There's a distinction there, but th- what it reminds me of, and again, this is another professional wrestling um, analogy that I love to bring up on Two White Lights. It-, it reminds me of the Monday Night Wars between WCW Nitro and Monday Night Raw, where the competition between them 
bought out the best wrestling content we have ever seen as an entire world. Like, the ratings for WCW Nitro and Raw were insane in the late 90s. They were surpassing Monday Night Football consistently. They were the things to watch on TV, but there was a massive side effect to that, and they were trying to put each other out of business. And they were clear with that. I mean, maybe with US, USPA and USAPL, we won't be as clear with, you know, trying to put the other out of business. But they were trying to put each other out of business, and it became such a hot competitiveness between two organizations that they eventually put w, WF, put WCW out of business. Where their content, the stuff they were creating, was dog shit at a point. It became terrible because WWF surpassed them so well. They were able to create so much better than them. And it was because of that competition. And when that happens, you know, in WCW case, people were out of jobs. People were out of making a living. And if that becomes a thing where it has to be that one, I I think it would be unique for the sense of powerlifting for that to happen. But that means... USPA or USAPL would have to take a back seat and that'll be a shame because you get like Don Hack, USPA, Untested Lifter, him taking a back seat, like that's a shame for the sport. Jamal Browner, the big lifts, or vice versa, Russ Orhe, Ray Williams, Daniela Mello, Heather Connor. All these people have to take a back seat to one or the other, and that'll be a shame. Hot take on this exact topic, and th- th- I could I could I could very well see the opposite argument. I could very well see it, but the fact of the matter is, is the USAPL has a lower barrier of entry. Yeah, we use one bar. We don't. Well, now we might do raw with wraps, but like, there's not going to if we want to be like mainstream, there can't be raw with wraps and then raw. Like, it there's one thing. There yeah. has to be one thing that's very clear to people. We use one bar. Um, it's it, people can say it's boring, that, but drug-free lifters are just as strong most of the time, considering you're taking the two-hour weigh-ins and the bar difference. Like, I would say there's not much of a difference in the weights lifted from what people try and say. I would argue it would be better for the USAPL to be that elevated federation, and then it will just feed the USPA. Yeah. Because once people learn about it, they learn, oh, there's a side I can do this stuff on. Once they get more knowledge, it will feed that for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the counter argument is, well, it's really cool to see John Hack and do all this, but I'm, I'm going to make an argument here. There's, there's one big issue currently with untested, not one big issue, but there's an issue with untested that there is a major disparity in tier one, tier two, and tier three lifters. Yes, very there good is, point. There is the person in each weight class that is just untouchable. There's no competition. Yeah. It, it's almost, that's almost universal across classes. There's not, there's not really competition. The tier two, there's a couple. Like there's, there's like four or five in each one. You go look at most of them. And then from there, there's a huge drop off. Like if you look at USAPL, there's a very great, like it, we're pretty close. Like there's, there's a couple people up top that battle. And then it, there's a lot of people kind of stacked up going all the way down where on the untested side, there's big disparities. So therefore that creates an issue with competition. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's hard to have true competition in weight classes. The only way you can do it is through coefficient score. And even with that, there's a disparity. So the, the viewing of it in the sense of mainstream, in my opinion, in the sense of talking about true, true competition, it's a bit tougher. Mm-hmm. Uh, USA powerlifting um, in the sense of either the Sheffield or raw nationals 
has a much closer disparity in the sense of competition, as well as, like I said, the barrier of entry is really low. I mean, you look at what's growing right now, that this isn't like an opinion. What has grown more is USA powerlifting. That is what, like, that is what has really elevated the sport that didn't exist before and is the big thing. Um, And a lot of that comes from the female side. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, talk about guys. Guys might kind of go one way or the other with barrier of entry. Women are very much going to bias towards USA powerlifting if they've never heard of powerlifting because these women look feminine. They're attractive. They're relatable. I can do this. Um, where it's going to be a lot harder. Most that women might transfer over to USBA, but it, it tends to be a lower barrier of entry for women, especially in the USA powerlifting, which is why that has grown the most in the sense of powerlifting over the last five years. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, with regard to the competition standpoint, like that's something that USPA lifters have echoed where it's like, man, it's awesome because USAPL has really competitive meets and for the most part, USPA doesn't. And they don't even keep track of it. It seems like when I was viewing Power Surge, like there was an actual good competition between, actually, if you want to talk about a tier two type meet, Power Surge was a good example yeah, that of was USPA. Great. That was a perfect tier two. Yeah, now, but they, like, needed this, they, they needed to... To be what it needs to be, though, they need to have that flight. That flight yeah. is huge. That that makes the that makes all of the difference of having that flight of lifters who are actually battling each other and not just having them wherever. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I would agree with you in that sense. And I would say with the growth of US uh, uh, USAPL has been due primarily to a lot of factors that is going to help its popularity, but. Here's the thing, something we alluded to earlier in the show, WCW had that same thing, and then the management messed it up. They couldn't innovate with the times. I'm scared about that with the USAPL, that they don't have the best marketing standpoint or the best business mind to, to be that federation. Because WCW, in many ways, was a better product for a long time. It had the stars. They didn't... Ooh, man, the analogies are actually too too real here they had the stars they had the great wrestlers of the time they had eddie guerrero they had chris benoit they had chris jericho they had all these guys and they didn't use them properly they fucked it all up it reminds me of having russ Horhe, having johnny candido and not allowing them to really to really brighten their star in the usapl yeah. and hack hack they, they strap a rocket ship to him in the uspa like Look at we have. We have John Hack. He is the coolest. Have you ever talked to him? He's awesome. He's hilarious. He's a, a personality. They do that in the USPA. USAPL doesn't do that, unfortunately. So, I don't know. Maybe a future show topic there. Eh. Yeah. Powerlifting Wars. Monday Night Wars. Interchangeable. Here we go. I'll All take right. it. All right. And with the poster boy, a lot of people were echoing that. I think we covered a lot of them. Like the importance of a Russ Orhe, importance of a Garrett Fear of the people to be popular to transcend the sport and I think I still think we are searching for that one person but we have multiple that are doing the right things we mentioned Russ Steffi Steffi probably the biggest one because mm-hmm. I think a very powerlifting oriented person where other people can just get away from that poster child though in the sense of what we're kind of alluding to here has to find that can't just be famous within the sport has yeah. to get famous outside of the sport and then bring it back around. Again, yeah. that goes back to like a poster child of, of Arnold or Thor, what he's been with Game of Thrones. Um, and I guess, I mean, it could happen like Rich Froning and Matt Frazier and 
Tia, Claire Toomey. I mean, probably more Rich Froney. He's kind of the guy that was like the poster child. He became the poster child just because he won. So it's possible, but that's because more CrossFit made Rich Froning versus Rich Froning making CrossFit. Yeah. Um, it's possible. Maybe we have powerlifting get esteemed enough where it can make Russ the, the Rich Froning of it, but it's more likely we're going to have someone come out of powerlifting to be something else. Maybe Sean becomes an actor and is super famous. Yeah. And uh, fulfills that, and then he comes back and he makes powerlifting super famous. But something like that, like it, a poster child, not just within our sport that we all think is the poster child, but the poster child has to be someone that transcends the sport. Yes. All right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I could volunteer to do it. I have other things going on. So well, real I might... sponsorship could help. Yeah, for sure. Sponsorship. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I I think I've done more more for the sport of powerlifting as far as mainstream success. I if you look on my page, I was on a box of Barilla. Yes. Re- refute that for me if you want, but it's there. It's evidence. So I didn't do it, but I, I was going to make a story right when you first uh, asked me to be the co-host of my new current training program, but I didn't have the box. I had spaghetti. I didn't have Barilla because I was going to start cooking Barilla spaghetti and say, Joe sent me the new training program for two white lights. I'm on the same program as Angelo. Why do you not have Barilla in your house at all times? We had some generic stuff. I don't eat spaghetti. I don't eat pasta. Oh, well, we, we yeah, need to change I know, that. I'm a failure of an Italian. Yeah, we need, we, need, we need to change that uh, because, you know, and also you're affiliated with Two White Lights, which makes you kind of affiliated with Barilla by default. My favorite restaurant where I live is Italian. I'll, does that give me any credit? Do they have Italian restaurants in Missouri? I didn't know that. We have two good ones. We have one that's okay. very legit, and that's a good one. But we do have one that's contemporary. It's, it's good, though. Literally what they do is they take anything Italian, and then they bake mozzarella in, like, monstrous amounts over it Ooh, all right well i mean that uh, you sold me on that one yes it's um, amazing it's yeah. contemporary italian it's um it's 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 my favorite restaurant yeah in springfield in fairness i don't i don't eat at a ton of italian restaurants because like why would i want to do that like, why would like i have italian food occasionally like kind of a bit actually so why would i want to go out and eat it it's, that's asking i don't know how to cook that's why i'm a yeah. failure of italian i don't know how to cook yeah I mean, I don't either, but at the same time, like, I've had it so much throughout my life. Even if I don't have Italian food for, like, a year, there's not going to be points where I'm like, yeah, it's going to get Italian food. Like, I'd rather have sushi or something. Like, I can't make sushi. It's hard to do. Sushi. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get quality fish in my house? It's hard It's hard to do. Barbecue. I'm in Illinois. How the fuck am I going to get barbecue over here? Got to gotta go out for that. But awesome talk there on uh, making powerlifting more legitimate. I think we are definitely going to touch back on a lot of these topics in future episodes uh, because there's a lot to dig deep on this stuff. And now I got to ask you this just to wrap up the show here. Do you maybe take back your take of powerlifting would never be mainstream based on what we've just said and based on maybe our differing viewpoints of what mainstream is? No, I'm not going to. Good. Two reasons why. One, this is a podcast where we're going to say some things that are going to spark some fluff, some feathers. And we yeah. got to, we got to have strong opinions. We're not going to, we're not going to. So if I am a betting man, you give me 10,000 bucks and I got to put it on one or the other. I am putting on, it will never truly be mainstream. Okay. All right. Good. So I was hoping I, that was I'm a trick gonna, question stick with it because I'm not going to wishy washy. And I'm going to say comp. I'm going to not going to give a big, we go. We, everyone wants to do maybe, maybe we, like I'm going to stick with it. We're going to say never. And if I'm wrong, I, I am a great person at being wrong. I'm 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 not a sore loser. Like I, I yeah, I would be I would be super happy if I'm wrong. Yeah, but I don't think I will be. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same way because I've been wrong a lot of times on this uh, podcast and I had to eat it like all the time. I said a lot of stupid shit on this podcast that was um, like the worst takes of all time. So I had to ask you that to make sure that you are true to white lights to your assets. And also, I think because we're running out of time here in a future episode, we got to defend one of our takes and that is the the bench arch debate because after our episode which i want to say that we sparked this i think this was our doing the the prophet of natty powerlifting johnny candido and your boy sean noriega made a fantastic video on explaining why there needs to be a change in the bench rules within powerlifting and i think what needs to happen, people who listen to Two White Lights, you have to reach out to Johnny Candido so we can get him on this podcast and debate Steve DeNovi and myself because even in spite of the evidence that was in that video, and they did a fantastic job of explaining their arguments, I still disagree with it and we can't go into why we disagree with it because we're already a real long podcast in and I think it would only be fair if Johnny Candido was on, so... Might have to do a little pulling of strings to get Candido on so we can debate this with him. Agreed. I'm all down for it because I'm the same. Amazing video. Still disagree. Would love to debate it back and forth. I think we could have some some good talk there. And maybe that would lead to even better solutions. Yeah. And also, real quick, I just want to point out uh, Subpar Powerlifting Memes did a great job with this today. Uh, we had the whole show topic and you guys put your opinions on the Two White Lights page of should there be a change in the massive arches and bench? And it seemed pretty consistent that everyone said no. And then Johnny Candido makes a fucking video. And all of a sudden, boom, everyone disagrees now. And there should definitely be a rule change because what Candido says is is gospel. Like, well, what the I, hell happened I, in a week? I make the analogy that you're a power lifter and you swear off the Smith machine. But then your gym crush wants to work out with you one day and is like, let's do Smith machine squats. And you're like... Ooh, yeah, I gotta do it. I, I have, it. yeah, perfect. I have never seen a take be abandoned by so many people in a short period of time because it was overwhelming that people were like, "No, that's fucking stupid." Like Garrett, Garrett Fear said, "I, I don't actually really now. I gotta ask Garrett Fear what he really meant by it because he said, I wish this post didn't exist.' Now we have the flip side of Candido making this great video." And now everyone being completely on board with it. And we're sticking to our guns. We don't agree with it. Like, the arguments presented were good, but I, you and I both found flaws in them. So, again, Two White Lights listeners, be loyal. Reach out to Candido. Tell him to come on Two White Lights. So him and Steve, him and Steve will do most of the debating. I'm probably just going to stand by because you're the science guys and I'm more of the swear and inappropriate time guy. So... I'll have you guys take that one. All right. All right. Well, it's been an excellent episode of Two White Lights. Tune in next week. Peace.